1: 17 dead in Florida, confirmed in a school shooting. In case you haven't heard, 17 have been confirmed dead from a school shooting in Florida. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, Valentine's Day, actually, 2018. That's February 14th, 2018. Welcome to the Hagman Report. Um, The the news, of course, always something, uh, always dominating headlines, the headlines seem to be progressively more dire all the time and now we see a school shooting in Florida and with that, of course, the hysteria the mass hysteria by the mockingbird media right away ascribing blame to gun advocates even before the facts are known Twitter wars, Facebook postings, disinformation, misinformation, deliberate misinformation being posted. Folks, look, 40, 45 years ago, 40 years ago, when, when I attended high school, or longer, I don't know, it was not uncommon to see a shotgun or a hunting rifle in the back of a pickup truck. This was not an issue four or four decades, five decades ago. It's not an well, issue when I was in high school. Right. Something else has changed. Years ago. Exactly. Something start else till has Columbine. changed.
2: That's when the real first
1: um, seems that massive seems the school case.
2: shooting happened. And then after that, we had a, if you remember, we had a local shooting of a principal in Edinburgh yes we did and then there were other school shootings around the the country but now it is commonplace to see these happen once a year twice a year
1: i've heard the number cited of school shooting uh, shootings is 18 to date year to date now that of course is a no, a total number it is not necessarily assaults only in other words you know uh what we saw today but as of right now, airtime, well, we can confirm 17 dead in a school shooting in Florida, Broward County, Florida. A 19-year-old has been taken taken into custody. His name is Nicholas de Jesus Cruz. One of the biggest high schools in Florida. Yep, yep. I think 3,200 students, a very, very large uh, campus. And, of course, you're seeing... The news now break about uh, uh, about this. Let me just say that uh, again. Coming out of the gate, we're, we're seeing the uh, the anti gun people just flooding the airwaves and saying, "Oh, that we need more gun laws." And there's uh, some spoof stuff out there. And, yes, uh, Hannity said before
2: the name of the shooter was even known, he had members on the House floor calling obviously for, you know, more gun control. And uh, apparently there are different pieces of information, as you said, misinformation, information coming out. There are a few Instagram accounts that were captured before they were taken off the Internet or scrubbed, which a lot of things are being scrubbed off the Internet. Now, Laura Loomer... Trust nothing what you see. Laura Loomer is reporting and has screen captures of the Instagram accounts where this guy is saying things like, Allah Akbar and showcasing guns and knives... But there's a second Instagram account, which I can't tell if it's the, the, the same person or not. There's an added name of a Russian gunmaker at the end of this kid's name, and it shows him wearing a uh Make America Great Again hat with a mask on. Now, many people are saying that's Photoshop, and they have posted the, I don't know, the source code to prove it. Well, I, I'm not even sure that matters at this point. Well, no, but just in case we see it, you know, floating around on CNN yeah. tomorrow. Uh, there is, uh, uh, postings out there that show that that is a Photoshop. Now, I don't know anything about that stuff,
1: so. Well, I, I think we have to keep calm heads right, right now. This, this is a problem, but as I said, for, for four decades ago, it wasn't a problem. Today it is. Why is that? And the, the heart of the population has changed. Evil evil has overtaken the hearts of many evil has taken over society in general if you're not seeing this I, I i don't know what else to tell you one more time over four decades it would be it would be common to see high school students arrive at school in pickup trucks in uh, with with with, with Shotguns and rifles being clearly visible in their in the in the back window of their pickup trucks, the hunting rifles and such.
2: I had a friend you in know. school who yeah. uh,
1: got sent home because he had his
2: hunting rifle in uh on a gun rack in the back of his truck as he went hunting. Apparently over the weekend, didn't take it out. This was, as I said, in high school before any mass shootings like this took place. And we even had an incident where uh, a gun was fired on a practice field. That person was expelled, but i mean the 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 friend of a mine who had the hunting gun in his truck was just told to take it home. There was no hysteria about it, no craziness, and no violence. but I mean, would you send your kid to school today without knowing that there are safety measures in the school, whether that be armed security guards, uh, you know metal detectors, systems of safety in place in order uh, to make sure they're not sitting ducks in that classroom?
1: Well, yeah, and that's a great question. I think that that needs discussion. In this case, there are reports, and uh, the Mockingbird Media, of course, is reporting this, but there are verifiable reports that this, the perpetrator, the alleged perpetrator, and again, Nicholas De Jesus Cruz, uh, was on a watch list, so to speak. He, had, uh, he was described as a troubled. Teen, he was expelled reportedly from school. He was barred from the grounds uh, with a, a backpack, or he is not allowed to carry backpack uh, to, to school. Now, the, these are some of the facts that are that are coming out. This is not about guns. This is about behavior. This is not about laws. This is about the behavior and the change in the morality in this country. Excuse me, I want to say this. Um, We've seen this in the past. And uh, the only statement that I would like to make about the laws in in the wake of this is that the haters of the Second Amendment to our Constitution, and and just take this for what it's worth, are are socialists who have made dupes of those who don't know any better and, and are, in consequence, the more dangerous. Now, they will vote in a moment, and we're, we're going to see this in our near in the near term, in a moment of excited passion. For example, in the aftermath of Columbine, in the aftermath of Littleton, in the after, aftermath of whatever. Um, we we've seen this before. An example: one legislator duped by the heat of passion generated by Littleton. You remember that shooting? One of on the first the state senator dick floyd of california who declined to vote for um gun control measures for years all of a sudden said now we need to like just basically uh take everything away they succumb to mass hysteria much like the brady bunch no not the television series but the the people before him the brady uh, uh people Uh, Floyd jettisoned the Constitution in a rush of emotion generated and stoked up to a fever pitch by the jackals of the mockingbird media of the press. And this is what we're going to be seeing, so uh, don't be surprised in in the short term when you see the media out there and and the politicians out there in, in a fit of frenzy, mass hysteria, calling from demanding for more gun control and I just want to say one more thing that that we cannot, as a society I don't believe that we can understand the seriousness of what is at stake with so-called gun control laws the only thing that was- you've, you've, you've got to read the past history, Joe the bottom line is to destroy the state's constitutions first by the communists who have infiltrated this country and then finish off the United States Constitution and there was a judge joseph story he was one of the great scholars of the us constitution he uh he he, he said that uh, the goal of the socialist pretty clear um article 1 section 9 is a restraint on the federal government clause 3 is a concurrent exception a prohibition on both the for, uh, federal government and the uh, several states denying both of them the right to pass bills of attainder and ex post facto laws. He addressed, I'm not going to go into this, but he addresses the gun control laws and in, in the positions of the federal government and the state governments with respect to the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So before everyone gets this knee-jerk, honest-to-goodness, let's just this mass hysteria reaction. And I think that we're at that point where there will be mass hyster- hysterical reaction. Yeah. Understand what is at stake, and that closes my and that that is my opening statement. Well, you know the obviously um, we already are seeing on sites like
2: NewsBusters and other media analyst sites that uh, CBS and other n- cable news organizations are already promoting far left gun control talking points and groups. Uh, CBS is reporting a group called. Uh, Every Town for Gun Safety, uh, flashing it on the screen, not giving any context as to what it is. Apparently, it's a uh, a gun control advocacy group. But, yes, we're going to see this. We're going to see the calls for gun control. We are uh, seeing statistics being flown around. And you said that there's already been 18 reported school shootings this year. But one of the things that they don't but take into consideration is suicides and accidental That's right. That's shootings right. that right. have are, are a big part of that number. But they don't yep. make the distinctions uh when going over this on the mainstream media, as you can expect. Oh, but yeah. you're going to hear it all the time. <laughs>
1: 18 right.
0: to
2: date, 18 to date. Yep. And, and the, only again, thing, it's mass hysteria. the only thing that is going to stop a person with a gun is another person with a gun who is willing to use force. And you can listen to it. We're going to, in the next few days... um Today we have a a former police officer, Jim Lancia, he's going to come on. And this is going to be a great guest. I know we weren't planning on talking about this, but this is what we're going to end up talking about. And tomorrow Keith Hansen is going to be on with us for an hour. And we'll go over, you know, the the gun um, control versus gun safety debate, which is such an important uh, debate. But it only seems to come up when we have these mass shootings. Now, just look at what happened in Columbine in, in 1999. It was, uh, in Colorado, 13 people were killed, more than 20 others were wounded until when the gunmen turned the guns on themselves and committed suicide. It was the worst shooting, mass shooting to date, that was followed up by the, uh, 2007 Virginia Tech gunman who killed 32 people before killing himself. And then we know, obviously, that the Las Vegas shooting last year, uh, Pretty much takes a cake with the 59 people dead, but if you remember the reaction to Columbine, all the the TV specials and documentaries. Look how much time has changed in the la- or look how much has changed in the last 20 years, where this shooting, where more people than Columbine were killed, happening in a school. I, I'm told or heard that it was the freshman hall of the school that has not been confirmed yet, but it's 20 years later, and this is a, a normal part of our life, something that we are used to seeing, and that's 19 years' time. Look how much has changed. It's pretty crazy when you you just look at that time period and before and to where we are now, and to see how this has become pretty much a a common occurrence. Now, this isn't about guns. This isn't about something much different, whether it's, as you said, evil, which I believe 100%, mental health, we're learning that the shooter of this school was expelled for disciplinary reasons That's right and came back to seek revenge, much like in Columbine where the um, the two shooters were bullied when they were in school and they wanted revenge. but what are we learning about um, you know this does this guy have political affiliations? There are articles about his social media activity, apparently he was in uh, somewhere online yesterday talking about making bombs there
1: are multiple pictures of him posing with weapons guns knives but, but let's preface, preface that by saying just watch what you hear or or pick up on if you're getting your your, your news from social media be careful i, I mean uh, look, how many <laughs> uh, okay, we saw how, this how, earlier uh, my sam Hyde. sam Hyde. Okay, uh, the, pictures 4
2: H&M and 8 in the yes, internet has yes, this yes. running joke for whatever reason anytime it's there's not a, a joke. mass it's casualty a, event they put this name out, and they yep. put these pictures out of the same guy named Sam Hyde, who doesn't exist as far as I can tell. And certain people run with it because they've never seen it before. They think it's accurate information. But every time there's a, a shooting, you know, we see this name being put out there. I don't know what the joke is there, why people would even think that's
1: appropriate or funny. It's just a, a tsunami of just misinformation, disinformation, intentional or, you know, well-intended but wrong. And this is why, after an event like this, let's wait and analyze the facts without that emotional hysteria. And and, and let's you're you're seeing again. You're seeing Pete, Joe. You're right. I mean, you're you're seeing people already come talk about um, gun control. By the way, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. At the bottom yeah. of the hour, Gerald Celentano coming on. Second hour is going to be Jim uh, Lancia, and uh he's got a great. Uh, but downtown White Police, we're going to be talking more about that. And then, of course, we're closing it out with Pastor David Langford, who I'm sure will be addressing yeah. this and more. So, All right, so th- that's the news with respect to the shooting, 17 dead. A one number a teacher, of probably, Okay. So. And, and apparently 12 were shot inside, two were outside. One was on a street corner, and then the, uh, some others passed away in, at, at the hospital. A mix of both students and um, young adults and adults. Look it is what it is but the change of if anything in my view in collectively i think in, in the entire studio and offices here is the change is not it, 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 well i'll tell you what the change is the change is rooted in this spiritual corruption the corruption of our spirit as well as the uh is the uh, advancing hatred the ideological divide that we're seeing as well and, and there's um, it's
2: being fueled by the by reports the reports that this guy was on a Members, a member of a number of resistance groups on Facebook. Again, watch the, that the though. The chain has yes. also put out his voter information. Uh, Again, watch that. Right, right. You know, one of the things that really frustrated me about this event <laughs> is, uh, we did our daily show. We posted it. And after, uh, the, the daily show, I, I spent most of my mornings th- researching, posting on the website, doing the daily show. It was about two o'clock and I, I cook some food and, and took a shower and, and about three forty. I saw... I turned on the TV and saw all this was going on. And at that time, the news was not giving out much information. And I watched for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and they were talking but not saying much of anything. So I grabbed my computer. Within five minutes of grabbing my computer, I had the suspect's name. I knew I knew all this information, and as I continued to watch the footage on the news, some of the information I learned about it had come out uh, on the uh, cable news. But I just found it amazing, and this happens so often... If you know where to look, you can get information so much faster on the Internet.
3: Oh, yeah. Rather than having to
2: listen to these talking heads and people commenting on situations they know really nothing about, just commenting with the average talking points, oh, guns are bad, we need to do this, we need more security in schools, on and on and on. I've learned that it is such a waste of time. And what, we just learned about the uh, number of the fatalities just less than an hour ago? and this has uh, been an ongoing from, situation from for media, four hours. Yeah. so yeah. if you know where to look you can do a much better job for yourself gathering information rather than relying on the cable news
1: but but temper you temper your research right. with with factual basis and and make sure you don't fall for the the um and, and end up retweeting or posting the, the <laughs> fictitious stuff that you it, it's just it's just really yeah, something never
2: in a in a, in a changing narrative, situation, a changing story or a continually updating story, it's best not to tweet out information unless you have confirmed it.
1: And, and th- that's that's, why, that's why we history. don't do that. I mean, I don't do that. Uh, we don't do that. It, it's it's foolish to report on it in while it's still developing because, you, and you see how many times people, news organizations have to revise their story, uh, redact some information, add some information. What well, we know right now the suspect has been identified as, we believe, 19 years old. However, that... 18 or 19, I've seen both. And I've seen 20. All right. But, of course, uh, Nicholas de Jesus Cruz is the alleged perpetrator. One thing that has been confirmed, 17 dead as of airtime. And that's, uh, again, a dozen inside the school uh, to... I believe two immediately out of, outside of the building, one on the street corner, and then the remainder, I believe, passing away or dying at the hospital. Now, So that's what we're looking at. One of the other interesting things
2: that we're learning about is we've heard a lot about a, a drill. I've heard two scenarios now, both from the cable news, both from Fox News, one saying that they had a fire drill early in, earlier in the day and others saying that they had a shooting drill earlier in the day. Now, it's got to be one or the other. I don't
1: imagine well, it's both. The, the, okay, now, let's not get confused. The suspect allegedly pulled a fire alarm, which drew... Right. Now, now, this is this is being reported on a couple of media outlets. Pulled a fire alarm, which allegedly drew the, the uh, students and teachers out into the hallway for evacuation purposes, thereby creating a uh, a shooting gallery of sorts. And then, of course, you're right with respect to some drill that was contemporaneous or previous to the actual shooting.
2: Now, I haven't been able to verify if it was a fire drill or if it was a shooting drill. I've heard both being reported by mainstream sources. So we will get to the bottom of this. But if it, let's say it was a shooting drill. Which I, I I don't know I find hard to see that going Man, down the high school so, law uh, enforcement. Yeah. But I, on Hannity show they also said well it was a good thing they had the drill today because the personnel was in the, the the personnel were in the area, and were able to to you know jump right in. How many t- I mean this is a when we see mass shootings like this when we see events like this there always is, seems to be a drill concurrent with whether or it's the Boston proceeding. Marathon yep, bombing with, yep. I mean nine eleven on and on, we could we can list. But out of the last 20 terrorist attacks, how many had drills that same day of the exact same scenario? That's right. And it's just, um, you know, it leaves you scratching your heads. And John made the comment of, well, what are the odds of, uh, you know, having a drill for the same scenario and then having that same scenario unfold later on in the same day? And it's probably astronomical the way we see it around here. But we need to nail down, was this, was there a shooting drill? And if so, we have to look at this much closer because... It, How can it does you appear,
1: it, yeah, it does appear to be pretty radically, uh, strange, I, I would say. And just the facts, just to be clear, in case you're just joining us, a shooting happened and this was at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida today. That's in Broward County. As of airtime, 17 victims or 17 people have, have lost their lives to, uh, as a consequence of the shooting. 12 inside the school, two immediately outside of the school, one uh, an intersection or corner, street corner, and then the other two, or the remainder, at the hospital. Unknown number of injuries at the hospitals. Again, this was at Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Broward County, 5901 Pine Island Road. That's the location, and those are the facts. The And the alleged gunman, uh, has been named, identified by by authorities, by Broward County authorities, as Nicholas de Jesus Cruz. And, and we don't know his legal status or uh, we don't know anything about him with any degree of reliability at this point. So there you have it with respect to that. But the hysteria, as I mentioned before, you know, opening up the program, watch, and it's already happening, in the wake of these, the haters of the Second Amendment, the haters of our Constitution, the hardcore socialists who have made dupes of, of many, are will be out in uh, full force calling for both uh, federal and state restrictions. When in fact, the Constitution is pretty clear.
2: In a um, uh, seeing an update here from a site, reason.com. A student indicated that the school had previously done an actor shoot of drill with somebody actually shooting a gun with blanks. And there's also, as I said before, reports of a fire drill earlier in the day. So when the alarm was pulled just before they were supposed to dismiss their class, many students wondered what that was about if they, because apparently they had already done a fire drill earlier in the day. We will learn a lot more about this. Yeah as the hours
1: and uh unfold here and the and, information comes and, out and you made you made a point and I and I should I should point this out as well in confirming what you said the moment and even before he was, uh, the perpetrator was identified gone were his facebook yep. accounts gone instagram, were his instagram everything. gone were uh, all of his social networking gone yeah all right, now thank goodness for the screen captures and Wayback Machine. Well, the screen captures are important; they could scrub everything else. Um, and, and you know, look—you're going to see pictures of the alleged perpetrator in a, in a MAGA cap, or an Antifa uh, garb, or, or a communist shirt. Okay, really, at this point, before we run with anything, we need to authenticate those images and that information. That's the only well, responsible thing um, to do.
2: Uh, some people on the Internet message boards boards put this, this Florida voter information out. Cruz Nicholas, born 26 May 1998, mail registered as a Florida Democratic Party. They put
1: phone numbers and addresses um, as well. But, but, but so, you know what? Okay, and, and and this is the way I look at it. Until I can verify it myself, see with my own two ops, right. and 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 match, you know, match the perpetrator's information with that record. Right? Could
2: be same yeah. different name, the same yeah. name, different person. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that can. Yeah, you just don't know, and, and this is why it's so important. I mean, to yeah, verify. I've got it right here. I've got the I've got the voting record right here.
1: It, 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 it's okay. Um, look, just be very careful. But despite the Cries of the left. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray for the victims. Let's pray for the families of the victims as well. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report this is the 14th day of February, Valentine's Day, 2018. We're going to be back with Mr. Gerald Zeleny. this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2018. You know, I just it's give your significant other, your husband or your wife give them a hug and tell them you love them. Give your child a hug as well and say, you know what, I love you. And if you don't have anyone, uh, hey, you can visit our sponsor eHarmony.com and in the coupon code put Hagman in there all right because uh maybe next valentine's day you'll be able to hook up with uh find your your match with eharmony.com and hagman is a coupon code for a free month out of three months I want to welcome them as a sponsor but uh a lot of things going on of course started out the program with the uh school shooting in broward county florida of course that making headline news and that's going to dominate the news cycle joe you would mentioned about about Perhaps drills and all of this going on. Yeah, we're going to have to get question clear. everything you see. Yeah, we're going to have to get yeah. clear information. It's you have it.
2: students, parents reporting that yeah. were both a fire drill yeah. and an active yeah. shooter yeah. drill, and you have both being said on the
1: news separately. And so it, all yeah. done. Exactly. And you get a whole bunch of, uh, of of idiots out there, you know, mm-hmm. moral uh, or mental midgets out there, uh, posting crap on on social networking feeds. And, you know, I get really tired of that kind of stuff. Uh, grow the hell up. All right, and 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 get out. Put put the beer down, and get out of your mom's basement. Get away from your computer, and grow the hell up, to those people who are putting out disinformation, and to, to those right away striking down at or striking at our Second Amendment. It, it, take a breath. Quit being so hysterical. Speaking of hysteria, you've all seen, of course, the Dow Jones, the volatility there. That's something that we're going to need to talk about this in this segment, as well as cryptocurrencies and a number of other things. And who do we talk to about that? We talk to people who know what they are talking about. We talk to people who are top in their field. We talk to people like Gerald Saleni, who is the guy behind the Trends Journal. I'm holding up a uh, copy of the Trends Journal. This is where we turn for future information you want to know tomorrow's headlines about what's going to really take place geopolitically as well as uh... in the financial world hey the trends journal is your answer with that we want to welcome back to our program mr gerald Salani. we are so honored to have him gerald thank you so much for joining us tonight
3: well, thank you, and thank you for the kind words. Very, very much appreciate.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, you're a go-to guy, and I mean that. Um, you've been right on more than, more than not, in the head of the girl and everyone else with, with the trend, with the uh, trends journal, and uh, we are uh, subscribers, and we, we thank you for what you do. What's go? What are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, we have a, we have a shooting, a school shooting, just hours before airtime. Um, we don't even have to address that. It is what it is. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, do you want to? You want to, You have any comments on that? If you want to make fine, or well,
3: so whatever. you know, some stick guy, whatever. You know, I don't
1: it is what it is, right?
3: And 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 as as people talk about, you know, the Second Amendment, I'm all I'm all in favor of gun control. Let's start with the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when you go to them and stop giving them more money, whether you just give them another uh, one point what two trillion dollars in the next two years to spend, you know, bombing nations around the world, you know, killing over a million people in wars based on lies. And then after that, they demilitarize the police force in the United States. Then come to me and say, turn over your guns. And after you go to them, yeah. then come to me. You know, that's the way yeah. I look at it.
1: Exporting violence in the in the form of military and paramilitary actions—it's it, it's it's really re- ridiculous. It's—I uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I mean, look at
3: the Iraq War. I no, mean, why yeah. haven't they brought any of these people up on war crime trials, they They <laughs> lied us into the war. Oh yeah. And why aren't they being brought up on any war crime trials? And I love this line. They say, well, you know, neocons. I said, what neocons? How about mentally disturbed people? How about people that are sick? You know, so when you talk about what's going on in one instance, how about looking at the bigger picture? So as you know, that, that saying, the fish rots from the head down. And what's lacking in this nation today, and many nations around the world is morality, integrity, dignity, and self-respect. And now we're seeing the results of that. That's the way I see it anyway. And you know the motto of the Trends Journal, think for yourself.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. And we need more people to think for themselves, to look at the issues, as you said, and to look at the whole picture, not just uh, not just a sliver of the picture itself. Fantastic. Look at,
3: look at, the, look at the movies. You know, look at all these violent movies. Yeah. Now, look, look, at, look at the video games. Look how young people are addicted to these things. I wonder why people are thinking violently. Let's put together a blue-ribbon committee, and maybe we could find out. <laughs> how about looking at the facts? You know, you feed them garbage, they become garbage. Look at the violence that the media sells. Look at the violence that the nation sells. So, again... Why is this such a big surprise? But they'll blame it on a small issue. We got to take the guns away from people. Sure. And again, I have, I, you know, I have guns. You know, if somebody tries to kill me, I'll kill them. I'm allowed to protect myself. It's the same thing with, by the way, with North Korea. We got to get weapons away from that guy. Why? Why should well, he? He has weapons. Does he use them against anybody? Oh, he's going to threaten us. if he threatens us, we blow him up. But, but what war's a right big people, business. War's a big business. So we need to keep. That's, that's what people always say, and it's true. It's a big business for very few. Right. Prosperity is a much bigger business. And if we would put our money into building prosperity, like you look at this thing with Trump's infrastructure plan, that was one of those one three big things. Tax breaks, deregulation, and infrastructure. The grand total of 20 billion dollars a year over 10 years. Could you imagine if we took the tens of trillions of dollars spent in the military industrial complex to rebuild America in many different ways? We'd be a different country. It goes back to our trends. One of our top trends for 2018. Follow the yellow silk road. Follow China. Look what China's doing. You want to invest? Try thinking about what you can sell the Chinese and what they can buy from you and where you could what you could do with them. Because the business of China, it's business. The business of America has become war.
2: Yeah, and you know what we see with China in the news now, it's like the uh uh, the FBI finally realized and are putting out warnings about, about these no, a number of issues from uh, cyber attacks to uh, a number of other things China China is doing like they've had their head in the sand for the last 10 but, years. But,
1: yeah, but what do you, th- what do you say about that, though? About... Well,
3: Go ahead. well, what you say is this, is that the Europeans and the American uh, manufacturers sold this country out. It happened in 2001 when no one was watching, two weeks after 9-11 when China joined, joined the World Trade organization. Hey, remember when we were young guys? you got to hate those commies, I tell you. Those lousy red commies. Those disgusting red commies. Yeah, but now we're going to do business with them. And here's the deal. We're going to use their slave labor over there going back to 2001. And we're going to get all our stuff manufactured over there, ship it back to the United States, and mark up the prices. And in doing so, what happened? Well, they gave away all their technology. Technology that we the people paid for, by the way. And, and worse than that, when you're a major company over there, you want to open up a business in China, yeah, come on over. Give us your technology, but also you only could own 49% of the company. So these slimers that people love to call Republicans and Democrats, the Clintons, the Bushes, the Obamas, they sold us out. So China, again, you know, they've been around a lot of years. It's only about money. It's only about the bottom line. So if you want to see who really shafted us, you could start with the politicians and then the major corporations. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And uh, another guest of our stando talks about the the extent which with the U.S. Patent Office – And information in those patent offices have been raided and given to China, patents being denied here in the US and then sold to China and letting them develop these products. And there's so much more we could get into with this, Uh, but I want to kind of switch focus. The Dow Jones has a a good day, 253 points up, but we've seen so much uh, volatility over the last two weeks. We had, you know, the down 600, down a thousand, then up 500. We also saw reports of the possibility that the volatility index was being manipulated
3: what's going on with the stock market well it's overvalued and again you know i've been on your show and and we were one of the first people to call the trump rally almost immediately after he got elected in 2016 in november and then in this past i was in the trends journal in the fall edition we came out and said there's going to be a 10% correction in 2018 And last Thursday, it did correct 10%. And, of course, it's moved up since then. But the the reality is the markets are way overvalued. The price-earnings ratios are heading toward historical record highs. And the other issue is it's way overleveraged. It's it's ridiculous the amount of money going into these exchange-traded funds that bet, bet on indexes. And so what it is, it's an overblown market, and it's going to correct and you can see what happened when uh, when the market began to go down. What was the fear? Oh, uh, wages are going up. Yeah. Oh, can't, make, can't make any more money. Oh, by the way, that was a false number in many ways. Only 20% of the working force, the managerial levels, those wages went up very much compared to the lower ones, and that skewed the number. For 80% of the people, the wages didn't go up any more than they have been. So that and the fear of rising interest rates. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that all that cheap money that built the boom to begin with, with negative and zero interest rate policies and central banks' quantitative easing, is coming to an end. So that's what's bringing down the market. So the Ponzi scheme can't keep going on. So now there's about 100% chance that the Fed will raise rates in March. But will they keep raising them? And we don't think they will because the fear is that if they raise rates too much, the equity markets fall down. So our forecast is the Trump rally is near its peak. It may go up a little bit more, but we don't see it going up much more. And there's a possibility of going into a bear market, which means another 10% down because of the excessive overvaluation. But even having said that, it it might not happen. And again because of all the tax breaks, particularly the ones that allow corporations to bring back their money, very low tax rate. Because when you look at what had happened before in 2004 in the Bush, 96% of the money went into stock buybacks, and that dries up the value. Put on top of that, Trump's tax breaks that go to the, the bigs are going to benefit the most from it. So from 35 to 21%, more of that money going into stock buybacks, so what we have is an artificially high equity market,
2: okay, yeah, what was interesting about that is as you as you said, you know the economic news was good, the economic indicators were good, but you saw the market having that that uh, very negative reaction, and that was confusing to many people, including myself uh if we can to to some commodities oil we were we we're hearing that the u s is uh producing. Um, you know historic amounts of oil, yet some of the prices have been going up, at least here. And we have one of the highest gas tax in the country here in Pennsylvania. And it just went down ten cents for the first time in a few months uh, this week. Do, is is oil going to continue to go down? As I've read in reports uh, over the last
3: few weeks, we believe it's near its peak. And the peak we we call we we've, we've been right on spot on with this for the last. You know since it started going down in June of 2014. We believe that around $70 dollars a barrel, 70 to 75 is the top, and we're looking at around 50, 55 is the bottom. And yes, it's very true. The United States, for example, its, um, it's oil production now is number two in the world uh, at about 11 million barrels per day. and by 2020 we'll be number one. So there's an oversupply supply of oil worldwide. Again, going back to the, to the, um, to the stock markets. When you had the crashes in 2008 and the dot-com crash, you had over-speculation by everybody. So, for example, go back to 2008. We had had the subprime mortgage crisis. You don't have a job. You have lousy credit. Don't worry. I'll give you money and you can buy a house. You know how this is going on. Oh, you you need more money? Take out a second mortgage. No, we'll call it a home equity loan. So everybody was involved in that. Go back to the dot-com bubble. People buying into the BS back then. It was a real bubble. This is very different this time. The global economy is strong. The economy of the United States, while it's not booming, it's strong. So you don't have a lot of weakness around. That's why we're saying the markets are very separate from the rest of the economy. And to put that into perspective, 10% of the people own 90% of all the stocks in America. And that 10% own on average about $350,000 worth of stocks. The rest of the stocks are owned by the rest of the nation, you know, pensions and 401ks. They only own on average about $15,500 worth of stocks. So we're looking at two very different worlds here. So even if there's a stock market, bear market, It's not going to affect Main Street. It will only affect Wall Street. There will be a psychological impact, however, but not a reality one.
2: It's amazing how that happens, Mr. Salini. And those numbers you just gave, I I don't think I've ever heard those before. So 10% of the population owns 90% of the stock. So when we see the the huge drops or recessions, you're saying it's Wall Street that gets hurt the most, but the the psychological impact on the rest of the country has in itself an economic impact negatively. And that's very interesting. I didn't know that the difference uh, was that wide-ranging as far as the American public versus
1: you know the, the small minority who uh, seem to control everything. That is a big difference. Well, yeah. I mean, we've heard about the one percent and stuff, but but, yeah. but really, okay. So ten percent own ninety percent of the stock. Okay.
3: And now there's something else that's important. Why they freak out when interest rates go up? You saw the numbers that just came out yesterday that household debt is right about 13 over 13 trillion dollars. Yep. And 78% of the people are living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. So what happens when interest rates go up? You got to pay more. What's that going to do to the housing market? It'll bring it down. So we very we're not bullish on them raising interest rates much. And particularly, you know, Yellen is out, that was Obama's chair, and now we got Jerome Powell and that's that's Trump's pick. And anybody that thinks that the Federal Reserve is separate from the government, okay, uh, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I can sell. You know, I mean, grow up. You know, so uh, they're going to be they're going to be working hand in glove. And the business of Trump is business. And again, it's, it's not what I like him, dislike him. It's what is. You know, I say the, the because you're talking about gas prices going down. You saw Trump is now they're rec- recommending that to improve the infrastructure, they're going to increase. Uh, They're talking about increasing gasoline taxes Hmm. uh, another 25 cents. That means that means it'll be 50 cents, almost what 43 cents uh, a gallon on taxes for each gallon of gas you buy. 50 50 cents for diesel. So again, that only affects we the people because that 10 percent and almost 90 percent of the stock doesn't make any difference if gasoline taxes are higher.
2: Yeah, we pay uh, 76 cents. A gallon in tax here in Pennsylvania, so that would put us right at the one dollar a gallon uh, tax bracket for gas. Well, that's that's crazy. Well,
3: well, there's a good reason for that. You got a bunch of imbeciles running the country, in every city, in every state, and nationwide. Look at the losers that people call their congressmen and senators and representatives, and assemblymen and councilmen. These are the same jerks you hated in high school and college that wanted to be class president and head of the student council. When are people going to grow up and see what the jerks, these arrogant little people for politicians, are doing to destroy the nations, the cities, and the states?
1: Man, well right. Well Amen to that. By the way, Trends Journal, 1 year, 99 bucks, you can't beat it. But no, you can. not 3 years, 2 and a quarter. It's like getting almost almost like getting a year free. Uh folks, this is where we uh we turn for all of the uh, uh predictive, shall we say, information Trends Journal. Just go to trendsresearch.com. Geopolitical and, and economic and, I'm and telling everything it, else. It's, it's worth every cent.
2: Uh, okay. Gerald, last time we had you on, the cryptocurrencies were really taken off and after the next few months after that we saw the Bitcoin shoot up to 16,000 it, it had a huge kind of crash, lost half of its value and it's slowly climbing hey, back up. What the
1: hell's there. going on with that?
3: Well overall we see cryptocurrencies as being the future and and Bitcoin by the way, you know it was like we're talking about a dot com crash, remember when mm-hmm. there was a thing called, the biggest one was AOL <laughs> yeah and then all the other ones came in. Bitcoin a year ago had uh, 80% of the market, and now it's down to about 35%, 33%. And all these other coins are coming in. Bitcoin is a populist coin. That's what really drove it. We're talking about pumping money into the economy, if fiat currencies based on nothing and backed by nothing. So that's what really drove the cryptocurrency in Bitcoin people getting into a new currency where you can't print all you want. They say there's a limit, for example, of $21 million on that. So that's what drove the price up. Now, all these other ones started coming in. But here's why we see it going on. Number one for Bitcoin, you go to China, you use your app. There's no coin of the realm that people are attached to. You're not using credit cards or cash. $9 trillion worth of consumer goods being done on apps. So you're not attached to that money and you'll go where the best money is. But China, why the prices went down, China is one of the ones that really crashed it. At one time, uh, some 60% of the, the Bitcoin action was coming out of China. Now they banned it. So now they're, they're putting restrictions in South Korea, in India. Uh, the United States is talking about it. The UK, the European Union. That's what dro- drove down the prices. Uh, banks. Banks are against it because it's making, it's making their business obsolete. The transactions of blockchain are the bigger story, which a lot of these cryptos are based on. Blockchain technology is a new accounting system for the 21st century. You make an exchange of money, products, whatever it is, bam, it's instantly done. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And again, doing away with the banking system. So you have things like Ripple and others where they have a product or service, something to sell. And instead of getting a stock, you're getting a coin. So we see this as part of the future, particularly the blockchain future. And by the way, you should have received your Trends Monthly today, the digital form. And we do a lot on cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology. It goes beyond banking. If you, if Walmart's using it. You got a bag of mangoes and this bag is bad or that shipment is bad. They could go back to when they picked it, where they picked it, who picked it within five seconds using blockchain technology. This is the future and it's brand new. So we don't see cryptocurrencies going away. We do see more and more government restrictions. Having said that, what is the money capital of the world? Switzerland. You want to wash money. You want to hide money. You want to make money. It's the Swiss. I mean, they got the track record. They're getting into the crypto, the, the crypto business bigger than any other nation. And they're saying they're going to do it in a way that's going to make it uh, legal, legitimate in many different ways and protected. So when you see Switzerland get into it, you know what I say, follow the money absolutely. One of the
2: things that was so interesting after you know Bitcoin hit sixteen thousand and went down to seven and a half eight thousand is I saw a number of retailers, both online and uh, in their stores, adopting uh, payment systems with cryptocurrencies, which pretty much told me everything I need to know about where the future is going to be of the next few years, and that it didn't matter how much uh, the the value of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies dropped, that they did also, as you said, looked at this as the future uh, of money and payments and the the freedom, as you said, to have it not backed by anything and the precision to which you can track and and, uh, keep track of it. Uh, it, A lot of people are really talking up this uh, blockchain technology, including a guest we had on last night who says he believes it could be the future of the U.S. currency system which I have no idea. but
1: Is that is that
3: possible, Mr. Sloan? Oh, absolutely. When you go back again, Election Day in the United States, uh, November eighth, uh, two 2016, that was the same day that they called in 86% of the cash over there in India. And they claimed that they were calling it in because a lot of it was black market money and they were going to print new money. You had to bring it all back into the bank, which was a big lie. Because ninety nine percent of the money went back into the bank, so it wasn't black market money. so what they're doing though is they want to make it digital. Now that's a very poor country, but now even the poor people are buying things with apps. and the reason they want to make it digital, and the the, com- the countries do and making their we have digital dollars, I mean, you know really I mean it's just being transferred now. The reason they want it all digitized is they could find out every penny that you spent, where you spent it, and again, The politicians could get their take, which is called taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why they want to digitize it. And by the way, you know, if you you have your your, your computer, look up the definition of the word politician. Okay.
1: And and read it out
3: loud. Okay. And you'll see what they are. They're manipulative. Actually, they're disgusting, low-life human beings. Uh, state's people anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I I can't even stand to to listen to to politicians on television or even, uh, well... How can
3: any self-respecting person look up to little Paulie Ryan, Nancy out of her (laughs) mind Pelosi... Diane, not so Feinstein. Little Chucky Schumer. One little freak. Oh, maybe you like Mitch McConnell. I know. Lindsay, did you come out of the closet yet? Graham, is he your guy? You know, who can look up to these people? What a Love disgusting it. crew. Yeah, you, right you
1: ain't wrong, brother. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for your gift of time. I know it's, uh, uh, well, thank you so much for appearing on our program. Trends Journal. Uh, if you're not getting Trends Journal, you're missing out. Uh, folks, uh, whether it's a year or three years, go with the three years. It's a better deal. Uh, Mr. Salani, thank you so very much, for your again, for your gift of time and your gracious passage of knowledge, both on the journal and on our program. Trendsresearch.com.
3: That's Thank right. you. Thank you for what you're doing.
1: All right, sir. That'll, uh, we're up against network break.
2: Uh, that'll do it for this hour. Stay with us. Not going to want to miss that next segment. We got uh, a brand new guest. Oh, yeah. An author, oh, yeah. A former police officer. You're going to love this. Downtown White Police, the Alpha Cop, glorifying thugs and militarizing law enforcement with Jim Lancia. Right after this. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>
1: of the Hagman report it's uh, it is Wednesday February 14th I, I your people are talking in my ear it's crazy Let's stop the hammering Oh, no, I, I, I just every time I think about it I just uh it just makes me it cracks me up uh, yes we are following the news of course of the uh, shooting in Broward County Florida and uh, the alleged shooter Nicholas DeJesus Cruz. Uh, being taken into custody, being moved from, I believe it was a hospital, in his hospital gown, into the police uh, custody. And, of course, at the last we heard, it was 17 confirmed fatalities with respect to the shooting. And it, it's interesting because our next guest, the author of Downtown White Police, this is the book, uh, for those watching on uh, Global Star Satellite, this is the book, downtown white police now if you're listening on global star satellite radio of course you can't see this just go to our website it's there and um uh, now Our guest, of course, is Jim uh, Lencia. He's a a very interesting man. The back cover of the book, as a police officer during the most dangerous time in America, when the nation was engulfed in a crack epidemic, and when police were targets for assassination, author James Lencia had witnessed firsthand how policing had changed over the decades. And, of course, that's going to be fodder for our discussion today. Before we get to our guest, just want to re-mention or mention again, hey, E eHarmony.com use coupon code Hagman. Alright. Want to welcome them as sponsors and also remind people about simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Go to HagmanReport.com. There will be a link, a link to, to both eHarmony as well as Simply Safe. Now eHarmony, you have to use a, the uh, code Hagman for a month out of three, uh, free when you sign up and for Simply Safe. The best, by far, in my view, the best security system in the country, simplysafecom slash Hagman. All right, let's bring our guest, Joe. I'm going to kick it over to you.
2: Yeah, we have with us uh, Jim Lancia. He's the author of the book that you had there, the yep, downtown, downtown White, White Police. Police. Yep. And it's a it's the first time coming on, on the Hagman Report. Jim, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, you guys. appreciate it. I was looking forward to it.
2: Well, we were looking well, forward to, to having you. And, uh, you know, really excited about your book. Uh, didn't get a chance to to read it, skim through it. John's been reading it and has been uh, picking out quotes and, and different uh, things that he really likes about the book. Uh, if you can, Jim, why don't you tell the audience a little about, a bit about yourself and your history in law enforcement?
0: Yeah, well, um, I came on uh, the job as the youngest police officer in the history of Bridgeport, Connecticut get at 18 years old in 1978. Um, I retired with a pension, and I accumulated a lot of experience. I worked in all the elite uh, divisions in the department, and I worked with a lot of different other agencies like the FBI, DEA, ATF, statewide narcotics, and did a lot of raids. And I also worked in some of the most dangerous housing projects in the United States, and those were those were FBI statistics. There was one in particular called Father Panic Village, which is, a, which is knocked down now and it's gone. But it was rated number one in the United States, uh, for crime and, and for being a dangerous place. So that's FBI statistics. It was all in New York Times. So when and where I worked, it has a lot of significance in why I wrote the book and, and the type of, uh, experience I accumulated. And I, and I wanted to write the book, especially, and I know we'll get into it, but I wanted to write it, especially to compare policing to then and to now and there's there's a significant difference and 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 we can get into that if you want
1: yeah i'd love to i really want to start if you don't mind can we start with that because you and i i'm a a little older than you are Uh, although i will deny but uh you you know i i was involved in ems back in the in the uh mid-70s and um uh, working closely with the police back then and of course then in the uh, starting in the mid-80s I, I was involved in, in some law enforcement related activities including uh, worked as an operational asset for the FBI and the Department of Justice back in the 90s and I've had a lot of interaction with uh, with state, local and federal authorities and I've seen a lot of changes now that said, you in the front seat have mu- you, you've, you've got to have I mean, let's just start there. What? Well, go with respect to the changes. Go ahead and man, just uh, fire away because you've got to have, you've got to really have a lot of stories about uh, really the the, the change in land of the landscape of policing during that time.
0: Yeah. Well, part of it was believe me i didn't even really want to write this book, but people have been getting me wanting me to write it and But I think the most important aspect of it is to get an experienced police officer whose experienced this about everything an urban city cop can and and compare it so like you were saying um the differences I see. Are, first of all, with my title, I call it glorifying, uh, you know, um, demonizing the alpha cop, glorifying thugs, and militarizing law enforcement. I'm against militarized law enforcement because I do believe that Again, to, to keep the peace, you don't need a police state, and we are dangerously going down that path, and that is bad for everybody, especially law-abiding citizens. You know, I, I look at the time when I was a cop; that we were good guys and we went after bad guys, and and the good people liked us. You see what I'm saying? Now it's like the cops are becoming almost... Oh yeah, they're hated. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like everybody respect. Yeah, or they're getting too much. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, with the military. I mean, you can, you you can respect the cops, you can want good law enforcement, but you don't have to be so pro law enforcement that you got m-raps on the streets with guys with ar-15s and helmets and ski masks on. I really can't stand that because I did all the dangerous raids with the FBI and ATF and DEA. See, back when I was a cop, the FBI and DEA actually would call us off the streets to do the door kicking with them to get some uniforms in front of them. You see what I'm saying? And and um they actually the FBI would actually call me and my partner uh off of patrol. Believe it or not. They would take us out of a two man patrol car and use us as blue uniforms to keep doors in for. I don't even know if they do that anymore. But um they asked for us personally, you know, because of our professionalism and uh, you know, how we went about, you know, doing the raids with them. But we didn't have helmets and automatic weapons and uh, you know, SWAT uniforms and The smoke grenades and, you know, all this crap that you're seeing on TV, you know, and and, on what they're doing right now. And when we went after, we went on these raids, these were big raids. These weren't $25 drug deals. Not that you don't have to go after those people, but you certainly don't need to use the overwhelming force to do it. It's just, it just looks overdone. And it's, they're using SWAT today for evictions. And for really minor things that you never, you never used, uh, overwhelming force like that for. Uh, and that's not the only thing I want to get into, but, so I'm seeing a, a dangerous trend towards militarizing police, federalizing it, and, and, and causing it to look like an occupying army instead of a peacekeeping police force, you know, just to, to keep yeah. the, the good guy, the good people safe. And, uh, and then again, the demonizing the alpha cop is like, I say that because a good, tough cop who does his job is gonna get his hands dirty sometime. And there's no other way to do policing in, in an urban setting. And the, the alpha cop, which I call just basically a cop that does his job that's not afraid to get into it, uh, he's being demonized today and turned into, you know, all the, the nomenclature, you know, the racist, the, uh, you know, all that stuff. You know, they got a, they got a name for everything. For a, for a cop that wants to do his job. And then glorifying thugs, you got the Michael Browns and all these other thugs of the day who most of them are killed, you know, by cops, uh, with lethal force and most of it's justified and they're being turned into martyrs, martyrs for what, you know, these neighborhoods that these people usually uh, terrorize are are in black neighborhoods too. And, and, and I don't know why black people support thugs so much because these are people that terrorize their own neighborhoods. And I just, I just never got that. So I kind of wanted to put it all together in a book so I could show with my experience and uh, try to make some sense out of what's going on today and, and how I believe it's a really bad trend.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, one of the interesting things and more alarming things that I've seen from the law enforcement starting around 2009 was I think it was the G20 summit in Pittsburgh where you saw yes, these sound cannons deployed and the regular police using these, uh, as you said, the MRAPs. And since then, there's been programs. One example of this is the 1033 program, which transfers military equipment to over 8,000 local law enforcement uh, departments here in the U.S. And there is this this huge, as you said, it seems the uh, there's unproportionate responses to certain things. You know, you're sending SWAT in for uh, here locally. We had a guy hold up in a house, and the local law enforcement, you know, was there for a few hours, and then they brought all these SWAT people in. It just seems over the top. And there, there are, uh when you have these people patrolling with machine guns and MRAPs, it does seem a little... I, this is what I don't understand. As you said, you had tough police back then. You didn't have all the, this fancy equipment, you know, these tanks and, and assault rifles. Yet you guys got the job done. So what has changed from that time? Is it the cops' inability to do the job? Is it their training? Uh, is it just the way the law enforcement community is
1: moving? What, is, what has changed, or the time? recruitment, the personnel from right. you know the the uh, veteran or the people of the war experience uh, veteran?
0: Well, I think it's all of the above actually, and uh, there's so many factors. I mean, there there really there is an agenda, and it's not this is not by mistake. This is by design, really. See, here's the thing with the MROPs and militarizing cops. If you ever get to the point where you need that type of firepower, then I do believe. You know, you really, you're like, you're in a National Guard scenario type of thing. You see what I'm saying? For, for out of control riots and stuff like that. But we handled... See one thing about the SWAT, like you were saying too, they're using them for evictions actually all across the country, and for small time drug raids. A lot of these small towns are using overwhelming force for like a twenty-five dollar drug deal. I mean, I mentioned that in my books, and they're coming in there and they're shooting up houses. Many times they're making mistakes. They're going to the wrong houses and they're shooting them up. It's just ridiculous because what that does is we face more danger than these guys do, and we had to use, you know, we had to really hold back. So. you know i had to risk my life these guys should do the same thing i mean it's 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 not about you know that we were cowboys or anything but yeah i do believe it's it's the type of guy they're taking these days i mean you know we're in the video video game age and i think they're taking it almost in the same way but again with the um uh, the uh the the, the m raps and the military equipment when you see cops walking around like that with these military uniforms and stuff like that you don't No, you don't really feel like that's a police force. Like, to me, I just call it an occupying army. And, And at that point, I don't think you're a cop anymore. And I know I'm a little nostalgic, but really, policing did not need to change in this drastic form. We did get the job done and it wasn't always it wasn't it was ugly sometime but when you're dealing with ugly people like criminals that are violent it things get ugly and and there's certain people that can handle it and there's certain people that can't but every everything a cop does in the use of force it's it's not always justified but there's a court system for that but see when when a cop does something and use force the public doesn't understand it so then they just crucify all police departments and all cops and all use of force. And that's why you see Black Lives Matter, and that's why you see a, a rise in crime, because cops are backing off. So, But I, I don't want to wander off here, but see, when I did these raids, and I did a ton of raids, and in fact I don't think there's anybody out there today doing the amount of raids we did, because when I was in the special services division, that's all we did was raids, and tactical. We did raids, raids, raids. And these were dangerous raids. And I barely wore a vest. I mean, I remember I never even wore vests, bulletproof vests on patrol, and I never wore them on the raids. I remember the only time I really wore a vest was when the FBI told me we had to wear it. We were in the federal building, and, uh, you know, we were, we we're gonna do a raid with the FBI. They, they basically made us <laughs> wear our vests, but that's fine, you know. So it was that mentality like, hey, w- we can handle this stuff. And, but I think, I know there's a lot of good cops out there because I'm very, you know, close to a lot of active cops. And and, and they agree with me, but they realize that just the the pressure that's put on them to just go with this new trend is is overwhelming. And...
1: um, i I got I to gotta say this. I, I do love, uh, unlike Joe, I, I grabbed the, the book out of John's uh, clutching hands, uh, and I've been reading parts of it. I, I do want to say I, I, I like the pictures in there, and, and I especially like what you're saying right now. It's on page uh, 68 of your book. Uh, Our chief of police respected and backed good, hardworking, old-school police officers. And I think that's, that one picture and that one phrase says a lot, and, of course, we're talking about uh, our guest book, Downtown White Police. And our guest is Mr. Jim Lancia. Jim, I didn't mean to interrupt, but he, 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 you're, you're right on target. So, yeah, keep going, brother.
0: Oh, yeah. No, hey, please interrupt any time and, and leave me, you know, in the questioning where you want to go. But that's the thing, old school. I mean, uh, we didn't need to really change from that. We got the job done. And remember, back when I was a cop, we had such man, uh, manpower shortages, uh equipment the equipment we had was we didn 't get federal money in our city. We had a poor city it's the largest city in Connecticut just outside of new york city uh we didn 't get the the equipment that they have today and uh you know we had beat up police cars to do the job and we carried thirty eight revolvers f- for half of my career against. Uzis and Mac-10s and, you know, 9 millimeters, but we didn't even think about it. it, was, it was, and then we went to the Beretta 9mm, but it was like, yeah, we can do this. It was never once we knew we were outgunned, but it wasn't like, oh, darn it, we got to carry AR-15s now. We we didn't really, we didn't think like that. We just took care of business. And, and you know, it's just, see, when uh, it's, it's I know it sounds so nostalgic and old fashioned, but I do know most cops want to be the good guys. They want people to, to look at them and say, those guys are out there to protect us. They're not out there to occupy and to bully us and to, uh, turn the United States, a free, once free country into a police state. I am so against a police state and I think most cops are, they don't want to, uh, Break balls. I don't know if I could say that. (laughs) They don't want to be that kind of a cop. Now, you do got guys being, coming on the job today with all the wrong intentions. You always had cops that really shouldn't be cops. But nowadays, it looks like that's becoming the norm rather than uh, something that was, you know, kind of an oddball thing. Uh, But the things, um, they're doing talking today no go zones and uh they're talking about de policing stand down orders i mean those kind of cops like like in the charlottesville uh you, you had an activist mayor using a police department as a, as a political army and mm-hmm. never in my life did i ever see a mayor get involved with telling a police force what to do Never. And that's becoming very common today, whether it's Berkeley or or even in San Francisco. In some of those places, you know, you're looking at police departments actually being used as a political arm. If you have a, 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 a nutbag politically activist mayor or in a sanctuary city, you see what I'm saying? So that's making cops look like the bad guy. And, and and they look like the bad guy to me because they're being manipulated. You would have never been able to tell cops like us that, hey, we don't want you to do your job. We want you to stand down and let this happen. You know, I, that would have never happened. I mean, because if, even if the mayor said something like that to us, and he and he said something illegal, there would have been a good chance we would have definitely told him where to go. And if he if he was bordering on the something illegal, we wouldn't have had a problem with arresting them. And and that's not that's not a lie. Because uh that's just a different kind of guy. But they they would have never told guys like us to do the things they're telling the guys to do today. You know? It was just a different yeah. time but but I don't know how it got this way, you know?
2: Well you have a chapter in your book and you have a few chapters that start out the truth hurts. Uh chapter seven, the truth hurts the media. And John put a a quote here from your book. With government propaganda and government-staged hoaxes now legal, freedom of the press is something of the past. News delivered via mainstream media is now controlled and or censored by our government and includes social parameters which are guided by political correctness. And, I mean, that's exactly right on the money. And I think a lot of, you know, some of the things, one of the aspects that have changed is the media. It we the media has become weaponized. I mean it always was used as a tool of propaganda, but now we see it driving, you know, one specific idea political and social ideology above all else. And anything that comes in the way of that, including police officers doing their jobs, like you like we've seen with these cases uh, in the past that we've pointed out, Michael Brown and whatnot. The police get thrown under the bus. And this is something that you didn't have back then. The media it uh, used to be able to be relied upon to give you accurate information. Now they're being weaponized like everything else to drive a narrative, and it's hurting real people. And I don't know that we'll oh, yeah, get absolutely. back to normal there.
0: Absolutely, and it's hurting people more than people know because when you have an agenda with the media, and, you know, propaganda is legal now. For the government. I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people realize what that means. That means the government can lie without repercussions. They've always been lying. They've always lied, but there's there were there was repercussions for doing that, but now it's legal, which means even false flags can be legal uh, as you know if I don't think people really believe in false flags, but there really are false flags whether people really get hurt or or the type where people don't get hurt and they uh, they, they, I don't know if they believe that the government's capable of doing that, but there's entities of the government that are capable of doing that. And uh, but as far as the uh, uh, the media being used as a weapon, it is because when they cover up certain types of crimes, like let's say black on white crime, it's sort of a taboo subject. But the overwhelming percentage of black on white crime is absolutely through the roof. And if people knew, they would be able to protect themselves a lot more. Just just this one statistic. There's a, a, a close to 30,000 reported black on white sexual assaults and rapes every year in this country. And there's almost zero percent white on black rapes. So you never hear about that and, and the the fact that you you you'll see uh, like the Duke lacrosse rape thing right that turned out to even be fake but yet did you see how that was nationalized one rape oh, yeah. uh, case and and they'll nationalize that but with the thousands upon thousands of black on white uh, gang rapes and and sexual assaults and even murders accompanying these rapes you never hear anything about it they're just individual cases they're never turned into a circus like they do if. A white is involved with a black, and 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 that's where we have to bring race into it because uh, middle America, most most, uh, you know, a lot of America doesn't realize how bad the problem really is, and we have to address it. Uh, it's, it's something that has to be addressed if people want to be safe. It's not like you have to, you know, I mean, you take it the way you want to take it. I just think the truth should be told, and you handle it the way you feel you need to handle it, not the way you're told to handle it. That's this political correct correctness stuff that bothers me so much.
2: Yeah, and it really is, um, a huge problem. I, I think it's one of the biggest problems or, uh, is, is the reason that we see so many problems is the, 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 how the media has just been so corrupted and is used to push political agendas, uh, no, and no truth whatsoever. The truth is now demonized on the media and it is very, uh, it's very hard to, to watch that. But then again, this is why we do what we do in order to bring attempt to bring some sanity back and some truth back to the media. I'd like to, to kind of switch topics here. One of the things in the last five, ten years that have been in the news, especially in bigger cities, we have seen in New York City the stop and frisk policy, which I don't agree with at all. And also, they have made changes to profiling, trying to legalize profiling. And I'd like to talk about the importance of profiling and, and what really it is from a, a law enforcement perspective. Can you get into that?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I They've turned profiling into a race issue, but with cops, it's criminal profiling. See, a, a decent person would never have to worry about being stopped and frisked by a cop. Profiling has nothing to do with black, white, Hispanic, or anything else. Nobody trained us in the academy to watch blacks more than whites because they commit more crime it's left up to the officer the cop on the beat who knows his territory knows the faces knows the, the knows the perpetrators and the actors and he does what he thinks he has to do now remember stopping and frisk isn't supposed to be something where you just start going up to people and frisking them and checking their papers it really is up to the discretion of the officer and it's only to be used when you feel it's absolutely necessary. Like, if, let's say you're patrolling a beat and you know it's a known corner for crime and drug dealing. You see a guy you know has been arrested before and, you know, you see his activity, you see how he's acting, you, you know, you know where to look for bulges, ankle holsters, or even bulges for for, for guns and, sh- and stuff like that. So you know, you decide like, should I go up to this guy? Should I search him? Should I, you know, should I check him uh, for my safety and for the for public safety? This isn't remember. This isn't like a violation of the Second Amendment where good people are walking around. Now you can say that, but if you start protecting guys like that, then it just never ends. But the problem with stop and frisk is they're trying to turn it into some racially charged uh, thing where cops are targeting blacks S- so now they want to turn it to well then you should stop an equal amount of white guys even if they're not a threat or granny walking down the street just to make it PC well that's ridiculous Right? You said just just... The profiling
2: has nothing to do with race it has to do with uh, what a trained observer uh, looks for as indicators of, of crime or possible crime and as you said, a good cop knows the faces, knows the territory, knows, you know, the, the activities and, and behaviors that go on. So it's, it's, uh, I, as you said, it's up to the, the, cop's discretion, but they've demonized this. Even in the wake of 9-11, uh, when we, we saw the worst terrorist attacks on our nation, they went after the profiling.
0: Right. Which okay, really, and I was, didn't understand. And I understand that you're against the profile. And, and really, the profile isn't really supposed to, isn't meant to, take away the rights of people. Believe me, cops do not want to patrol the streets taking the rights away yeah, from people. Uh, but uh,
1: just, uh, uh, I'm sorry, just a point of clarification. Uh, not against profiling at all. No, uh, against the stop and frisk. Oh, stop yeah. and
0: frisk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, okay. even the stop and frisk, it, uh, it's it's really not w- that widely used in a way. It's mostly for something that you really think you can prevent something. And again, it's not all about prevented. but we're talking about high crime neighborhoods and it's, it, you know, it's, there's no other way to, there's no other way to do it. But here's another way we, uh, profiling kinda works. I profiled white people too. Remember, when I worked in these housing projects, that's the reason for the book. The downtown white police is what the black kids used to call the city police officers. Cause you know, most of the housing authority cops, were were blacks and Hispanics, but when we came in, it was you know for the you know we had more authority and you know we were from the downtown precinct. We were the city cops. You know we had uh, the jurisdiction over the whole city. So when they saw us, we were mostly white. You know Italian, Irish back in the day. You know so look at them. They would say, look at us here. Here they are, the downtown white police. You know so that name stuck. I never I said I, I, ever since I heard that I said no I gotta use that somehow and I ended up using it. But though so at like the profiling, I profiled white suburban urban teenagers and young people coming into the projects and save their lives. You know why? Because they were there to buy drugs. So I would pull over white kids and say, what are you doing here? Now, that may sound not very nice or PC, but when you realize how many of those white kids were killed or robbed or beaten up in these projects while buying drugs, then I think a, a parent of those children would be very happy for cops to stop them and send them on their way. So we'd stop them We said, what are you doing here? Oh, we got friends here. I go, no, you don't. You don't have friends here. You're here to buy drugs. You know. You know what? Just get the hell out of here before before you get pitched or before something worse happens. You know because and then we'd send them on their way and it it would save them. It would save them going to jail. And it's probably save them something even worse because. A lot of these drug dealers, they see these stupid white kids coming in there from the suburbs, and they pull out a wad of cash to buy some drugs. They think they're invulnerable. Then the, the drug dealers say, you know what, I'll just take it all. This this jerk ain't going to stop me. <laughs> and a lot of times they shoot these kids, and they just don't realize the danger they're in, man. So we save their lives doing that. Uh, so, yeah, and again... Um, the stop and frisk. Yeah, some cops could use that wrong. I don't like the kind of stop and frisk you see in New York like after uh like a, a terrorist event. You know, they'll just stop everybody, start checking your bags with their AR-15s and their army uniform. That to me is bad. Nobody wants to walk around and be stopped for no reason at all, just for but then you got a lot of American citizens that'll say, Oh, well, it keeps us safe. No, it really doesn't keep you safe. It really doesn't. It just gets you used to having no expectation of privacy or no rights at all. And that's why, just because you're pro-law enforcement doesn't mean you have to be pro-police state, which is what they're leading to. Remember, Strong Cities Network under Attorney General Lynch, that anti-American monster. Do people even realize what that means? That means there are many cities in the United States that legally can call in the U.N. to patrol the streets if things get out of the hand. And who's to determine if things are out of hand? And do you think there's ever any scenario where U.N. troops should be patrolling U.S. streets? Hell no. 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 Right.
2: I don't think that would go well for anybody.
0: But it's on paper. It's on paper, and it was signed in. It's actually legal for them to call them in. That's why I did that video on Chicago. Remember that guy, uh, the Cook County Commissioner, wanted to call in the U.N.? Uh, Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: There's no need for that. There's always been crime in Chicago. i tell you right now, if I was the police chief in Chicago and these jackasses would get off my back about uh, this racism crap, I'd have those neighborhoods cleaned up in a couple weeks. It's really not that hard to do. But under the political system we have, it's very hard to do because your hands are tied. But the cops, listening Chicago, New York City, whatever city, they know, they know what to do, but they're getting groomed to not do anything because it's easier, and it's so much easier for these guys to get to the calls late, to not even, not even to exercise the training that they were taught as far as being cops. They let things go, and you know who suffers? Everybody. Everybody's going to suffer because a cop's still going to get his paycheck if he doesn't do anything. Some of these departments prefer a cop to do nothing. You know, uh, it, we weren't built that way. You know, nobody could tell us not to do a job. It was just as soon as you put that badge on. You know, believe me, we went to work some day, and when the pu- and the public was a pain in the butt to us back then too. But we would, we would, we would go to work. A lot of cop bitch, a lot of cops bitch and moan, and they'll say, you know, why do we even do this job? Why do we even try? I mean, we could collect a paycheck and and just and, and you know, not even get in trouble. But then as soon as that call comes in, you just go. You don't think about it, and you do your job because that's what you're sworn to do and that's what you're paid to do and that's what you wear the badge for. So, yeah, we can bitch and moan about it, but we still did it. Nowadays, it looks like it's just a lot easier for these cops. And I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's right. But I'm saying a lot more cops are willing not to do anything and allow this stuff to get out of hand because it's easier. They don't get in trouble. No lawsuits, no indictments, you know, no complaints against them. They just get there and they write the reports Like good little, uh, Mm -hmm. police officers, but they do nothing. And then the public ends up hating the cops too because they don't do anything. So this is what they, this is what they want. And look at Baltimore. Baltimore was actually, I don't know if they put it through Baltimore PD. They want to make it so all the cops are responsible for their own, um, uh, liability. Uh, and if that happens, you know, where the money would come out of their pocket if they're found liable for something, People would think, oh, that's a good thing. Not really, because a cop's going to say, well, if I'm not even covered by the city to do my job, remember, they can file lawsuits. Most of them are bogus, so it's not like, oh, we're just weeding out bad cops. Not really. I mean, they file lawsuits for anything, even when you got to smack a guy around because he's resisting. But <laughs> It's something that has to be done. Force has to be used. That's why you're trained to do it. So now these cops are going to say, well, I'm just not going to do anything. And who suffers? Then the black community suffers. Then they start complaining that the cops are racist because they don't want to do anything. So it's a it's a vicious cycle, and that's what that's what's happening now. We
2: are talking with James Lancia. He's the author of a book, Downtown White Police. And I'm just uh you know reading through this book here and there, and I can't wait to sit and actually read it. I guess I'm gonna have to get. In- get into a brawl with the uh, studio boys here for it to see who's taking it home tonight but no Downtown White Police is the book the website is red42.org that's red for, the is four, two, dot 42.org Jim what's the uh, meaning behind the website name
0: well um We've got a little radio show of our own. It uh, follows the political cesspool. It's FCC. It's a syndicated show. Uh, red 42 was my uh, partner's uh, idea, the guy who I'm um, doing a radio show, Pete Stan. He, uh, when he read in my book, one of my call signs uh, for one of the sectors I worked in was the red sector. And uh, one of the cars I worked in was the Red 42, which patrolled the worst part of the city. And they don't, the city of Bridgeport doesn't even call that. Sector red anymore because it's not politically correct because it sounds too bloody. <laughs> That's funny, right? But uh, it was it was the toughest section of the city. The city was a very tough city, and um, most most sectors were were tough, but the red sector was known for being the toughest. And it was the smallest sector too, and there was more police per square inch than anywhere else in the city because you know it's such a tough area. So it was just a call. Call uh, my, my radio car number, and uh, he thought it was sounded cool for the radio radio show.
1: Sounds good though. Red forty two. Red the number forty two. Red forty two org is our guest website. Uh, fantastic book by the way. Downtown white police. Uh, and, and again, I love the pictures in there. Uh, going back to that time, that era. Uh, very very well done. If you don't mind. It, it, Today, we we of course saw, uh, and this is a little bit off off the uh, off topic here. But we saw a mass, another mass shooting in a school today in Florida. What's going on? What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, right away, you're, people are going to be talking about gun control. I mean, here you are, of course, having patrolled the streets of the, the, the roughest section, what Southport of Bridgeport, I guess, right south South Bridgeport. Um,
0: well, all over east, east, west, uh, north end. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, east, west, and uh, south end.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, would you, just can you can you provide some sanity uh, with what we're seeing with respect to these school shootings, and, and even how you would handle um, fixing this? Because you had mentioned about you know you, you could have Chicago cleaned up, and I, I've got no doubt about that. Uh, what about the school shootings? What, 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 what do we see today? Why do we see it in? Uh, What are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, first of all, most good cops are definitely pro-Second Amendment because they realize the importance of, of, and I'm not just saying this because of the clientele on your show, but most really good cops realize that having good people with guns helps the cops out too, and it's actually a good thing. The only time, and I took a lot of guns away from people, but these were from Stone cold criminals, Killers, armed robbers, drug dealers, um, kind of guys that can't even, you know, that don't know how to use a gun properly. They use it for bad things, but we had to disarm them. But they were bad guys. Uh, as far as the school shootings go, I believe that's, it's, it, now whether some of them, some of them are kind of iffy as far as, uh, the, uh, the origin, but this one and, and others, I do believe a lot of it. If it's a lot of it, is just the time we live in this video game age. uh This this video game. I don't think they understand. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm saying I don't. I think they, I don't think they really quite understand how terrible, terrible yeah. taking someone. It's it's not a game. It's real. But here's one of the other problems: the gun crime is increasing now. It was really bad back in the 80s and early 90s. Then you had the crime bill and it it kind of, you know, three strikes are out. That kind of, we had a a downside, a downturn in crime for a long time. Now it's going up. But here's the problem. I don't know if you're going to be able to stop certain uh, school shootings and stuff like that because you just got crazies out there. But that doesn't mean you have to go for gun control after that. That just means you got to stop the people doing it. And there's no one way to do it. You can't legislate crazy. Crazy is crazy. You got to stop it. That's all it is, and it's gonna happen in this day and age, but you you just, you gotta stop the crazy. You, you can't legislate it. You, you, and then as far as Chicago goes and stuff, one of the big problems about gun crime is they're not even prosecuting a lot of the gun crime. You know, you get a lot of these thugs in Chicago, you know they're throwing a lot of these gun crimes out? These guys are getting caught with their felons and they got, and they got illegal guns. They're throwing a lot of these cases out. They're not even prosecuting them. They're not going to tell you that, but that's what's going on. They're throwing a lot of that stuff out. Why? So these guys aren't. <laughs> no, just uh, okay. I mean, I I can't give you a good reason why, other than other than the incarceration rate for blacks is so high that they feel that you know there's, there's just no other way to lower it but by throwing cases out because. I see, I can't justify it. It's wrong. And, and that's the problem. You got the new Jim Crow, which I kind of complete. I, I think if you read my book and you see my chapter on the new Jim Crow, I give you all the reasons why it's baloney. And I just read that chapter. Yes. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. And I debunked that. But the thing is, is, uh, the bad guys go to jail because they're bad, and that's it, and they're breaking the law. But the thing is, is they're they're really trying to lessen black crime. You you know what people got to realize? When blacks get convicted of something, I think the system goes a lot easier on them than if you were a white guy, because they're making examples of whites now. And I'm not just trying to turn this into a racial issue, but it's almost like black crime is so out of control that it's almost expected i mean and 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 a lot of the stuff they do is thrown out now this is a phenomenon that's really happening more now than it ever did but but it's 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 really happening you ask any of the public defenders or even some of the prosecutors out there and it's it's widely known that in, in chicago and a lot of other major cities they'll throw some of these cases out they may take a certain a lesser case and uh you know or or just charge them with you know with the assault rather than with the with the illegal gun but they're throwing a lot of it out because there's so many of these guys carrying illegal guns but that's what emboldens them to do it here's a prime example of what we did when we were cub. when we were in a tactical division we would really go after the drug dealers and everything. So we'd see them all on the corner. There'd be like 20 of them lined up. So we'd go up to them and we'd search them. And, you know, a lot of the guys would run and we'd chase them down. We'd find drugs on them and all that stuff, guns. So after a few weeks of that, there was like nobody was carrying pistols anymore. And it was funny because the murder rate, the gun crime assault rate went down like drastically. And the word on the street was they were so afraid to carry because of our... You know, out of nowhere, uh, stop and frisk that they just didn't want to carry because they knew we were going to get them. So, who did that affect? Did that affect the Second Amendment? Nope. Did it affect a citizen who was protecting his home or, or with a legal right to carry? Absolutely not. It affected the thug who had no right carrying a gun anyway. And, a thug that would no have no problem shooting anybody who gets in their way, so the, we, the,
1: that, that was based on your profiling though in a good way the, the, the profiling of behavior profiling of hey, this doesn't fit down here or or um, so, so, I mean, am I right with that absolutely it's, okay, right. so
0: instead of see here's what they say they say racial profiling, but it's not racial profiling it's criminal profiling. So it doesn't matter what race; it's criminal profiling. But a lot of cops can't speak up today because they they are so PC controlled. I've never seen cops so controlled in what they could say, ever. I mean, literally, they can't say anything. So it almost the public looks at the cops as like part of this thing, and said, so, "Well, these cops don't say anything, so they're part of it." No, they just can't. They get fired. Or they get all kinds of retribution. It's it's unbelievable to control that uh, the upper echelons in the police department or the political parties in the in the cities have over these cops. They really can't say anything, and and a lot of what the cops could say would be so valuable to protecting people, but they'll turn it into a racial thing or or or, or, or a violation of rights. But whose rights are they violating? They're not violating anybody's rights, but. Who, who are they going to violate? I mean, these are these are criminals that that kill people, that assault people. It's just, just we, we, that's how you protect people. You, you see, the thing is, is we're making everybody equal with the thugs now. We're, we're like putting them on this status. We're, we're glorifying just like my my book said. We're glorifying. We're making them sound like there's a chapter in my book where I, I'm talking. I'm talking to my captain, and I'm I'm saying these are not oppressed citizens. These are criminals. And, uh, there's a, there's a story. It's called The Hole. If you read that, if anybody reads it, you'll see exactly what happened in there. And, uh, it's, it's a great analogy to what's going on. And that's one thing, reason why I wanted to write the book because what I experienced and what I got, what I remembered and how I framed it and put it in and pieced it together was so significant today because it kind of lets you see exactly how you can handle things today. But I'm, I'm telling you right now the way things are so PC out of control. I don't see any good coming out of anything. I mean, I see it just getting worse until something drastic happens. But the problem is, is it's not about saying, oh, all cops are heroes, or we got to just give the cops whatever they need to fight crime. They don't need anything more than what they're trained to do. Just let them go. Let them do what they got to do. If, you, if a cop violates the law, he has to face the repercussions just like anybody else. So, There's nothing that needs to be done other than let them do what they're trained to do. That's it. There's no magic solution. There's no magic solution needed. And it won't affect the general public. If you're a good person, you never even have to deal with a cop. Never.
2: Yeah. No, and and a lot of what you're saying makes sense. And it's unfortunate that things have have changed so much and have become so, uh, you know, everything seems like such a hot-button issue. And I want to ask you about the recent increase we've seen in uh, attacks on police officers and i'm not even talking about police officers who are who are out and busting heads i mean people sitting in their car what we saw in dallas um what was that just two years ago a year and a half ago we've seen such an increase on ambush attacks on yeah, police officers assassination. do you think that this is because of the the media and their uh, twisting and and painting the cop as the enemy every time there is a, an interracial shooting that is blown out of proportion. What is causing the people to become so emboldened against police officers like we've never seen before?
0: Just like what you said, the media is weaponizing. The media, I've never seen the media so blatantly weaponize the public uh, to hate literally hate the cops. So what you do is when then you when you got groups like Black Lives Matter that are funded by George Soros and are nothing more than a terrorist army. So when you weaponize those people and you give them some sort of righteous agenda in the twisted agenda, you know, they think is righteous. Oh, based on racism and, and when the media backs it up and how many politicians back it up? I mean Black Lives Matter was was a guest of the former President Obama's many times. So they kind of gave him legitimacy. And uh so basically if you tell these nut nutbags enough times that the cops are nothing but racist and all they want to do is, is, is put black people in jail or shoot black people every chance they get then they're going to feel they have some, not that they do, but they're going to feel they have some, uh, they're going to trigger these people. You see what I'm saying? And they're triggering them, and that's why you're seeing these assassinations, basically, and these uh, uptrend in attacks on police officers. Uh, It all comes uh,
1: down to, really, it all comes down to progressives, the progressive ideology, and I'm not saying that in a good way. You know, the the, the socialists, basically, is what we're talking about. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. they're creating—they're creating a scenario on the streets that is going to be unbearable pretty soon. See, what they're doing, whether it's by design or partial stupidity, is they're going to create such a bad atmosphere of crime that the good people in this country are going to welcome a militarized police force as as the belief that that's the only way you could combat the situation that has evolved from this ideology and then people are going to accept that and that's what certain people want they want that federalized or militarized police police and i know it sounds crazy but it's absolutely true and uh, that's what they're leading to because remember these that's how you control control people and control things I didn't want to get into deep in the why they want to do it same reason why Attorney General Lynch would sign uh, a treasonous having the UN be able to patrol America. why do you think she would want that why do you think without us Agreeing to it. Why do you think that they would ever want UN troops on, on streets? So they're creating this. I mean, just look at the Kate Steinley and the sanctuary cities. I mean, that's not America. Those places are so dangerous right now. And those illegals are so emboldened that you're really not safe anywhere in those places or anywhere. You're exactly
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's ridiculous. But by the way, um, our guest Twitter feed is at James underscore Lencia. So, um, and follow him on Twitter. But his book, "Downtown White Police," is available okay. on Amazon. it's um, tell you what, it's 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 a it's a great book. Uh, and again, I I like those pictures. I mean, it takes me back yeah, to that that some, that day. You were a bodybuilder. Well, you some I, well, yeah, back.
0: I worked I worked out. You know, I hit the bag. And uh, you know, you, you really you really don't feel comfortable going out there without being in shape because. Literally, we were rolling around the ground with a lot of people, and and there was so many fights for your very life. It it really is that bad, especially when you're a cop that gets into it. I mean, see, you can be the kind of cop that stays out of trouble, and you'll be fine most of the time, but you can't you can't avoid it but the way i was i was an uh, i was an aggressive cop you know i went after the bad guys so you're going to you're going to have a lot more encounters and you, you got to win those encounters because you'll you'll be dead or you'll be seriously hurt and that's how serious it is so you got to be on top of the game there you got to be stronger faster than anybody else and it sounds like the wild west but you got to be faster on the draw sometime it's that crazy it was that crazy and i tell you what when you're in shape, or when you're, uh, when you have the reputation I had, most of the criminals didn't ever want to mess with you. They'd run before you ever get near them, because you know they know who to mess with and who not to mess with. But then you always get those, and one of the things we had to deal with were crowds, crowds of blacks, minorities that would throw bricks at us and, and threaten to shoot us and, and throw bottles and try to take prisoners away. I mean, it was it was a different time. It, it was a crazy time, and that's why I like to say, don't get into the impression that everybody thinks it's so much worse. A lot of guys will say, oh, you were a cop back in the day. The Crime wasn't nearly as bad. Well, let me tell you something. It was worse. Did you know that New York's homicide rate this year was the lowest it ever was? It was four yeah. to five times higher back in the 80s every year. Yeah, you
2: 2,500-plus murders in the midst of the crack epidemic in New York
1: City, and it's down below 500. I remember being right. in New York City and watching, the, uh, uh, watching the, the, they would have the murder count on television yeah. in their news. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's not like, but I'm not saying things aren't bad, but it's not that bad where you have to change fundamentally law enforcement. That's why the book is so important. And I'm not trying to push the book, but what I'm trying to say is, this isn't, just a cop talking about back in the day in the wild west when he gets to have some fun being a cop. This is when things were really nasty, man. You know, you had the Black Liberation Army targeting cops, killing cops. You know, we we actually went after Joanne Chesimar, the Kodas So we we had this stuff going on and uh so we were targeted back then too. I mean I had hits put on my life too. And uh, you know, I mean it was pot shots taken at us. I mean I've been in several uh, you know, Shooting, shooting situations, but I, the one thing I also talk about is how many times I didn't shoot my gun. I cannot tell you how many times I had my gun pointed at a, at a suspect with the legal right to shoot. And I didn't because they surrendered in time. And that's why I get so pissed when people think that cops just take every opportunity to shoot somebody down because that's not true. And I did condemn the Mesa PD shooting with that guy, uh, Officer Brailsford. Uh, I condemned that because that was wrong. Oh, yeah yep that was nasty wrong, and that didn't have to happen. That guy complied with the cops. nobody needed to get hurt, and that's tragic and and that wasn't a situation where oh the guy made a mistake or it was just a split second decision. No, he had a long time to think about that and it, i it seemed I seemed like
1: yeah, it seemed like he was out to kill that yeah guy, the one he told the crime right. before and, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that can happen to anybody. And if if he's going to treat people like that, that guy was no danger. He complied 100%. And... That all that guy did was constantly give him orders, confusing him. That was inevitably going to happen. Nobody needed to get hurt. And one of those other cops should have stepped in and said, all right, back off. I'm going to go cuff this guy. See, that's why you need to hear experienced police officers. Cause, you know, it's not always about, oh, we, they just want to go home at the end of the night. Yeah, everybody wants to go home at the end of the night, but you don't shoot everybody to do it. You understand? If, if you got to, if you're in that much of fear to be a cop that you got to shoot everybody where you think you have a little danger, then don't be a cop. Because if I went by that mentality, I could have shot someone every day. Literally. And so could the <laughs> other guys. Literally, it was that much. So, you know, the excuse of, oh, uh, I feared for my life. Yeah, that, that's valid sometime, but not all the time. Cause if, is if, 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 hey listen, you gotta be built for this job. Uh, some cops aren't built for it. And they're just af- afraid of everything. And, uh, you know, you just can't. So I got so used to it and it became so common that it was situations where, you know, you go home at night and you say, huh, that was pretty close. You know what I'm saying? But you don't, it's just what you do. It's, it's a macho thing. Yeah. Okay. But maybe that's what you need because this is you, a lot of female cops too. A lot of female cops will use lethal force when a male cop wouldn't. and, And that's the danger. And that's why I'm kind of against, you know, I'm not PC. A lot of men shouldn't be cops, but a lot of these females shouldn't be cops. It just cannot handle it. It's violent and bloody, especially in the urban uh, theater. And uh, you need the right people for that. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. You know, this is not for everybody.
1: Uh, i got to tell you, I'm of that age. Look, I would not want my wife to be a police officer. I just wouldn't. And, And... Tell me if I'm wrong in this. Maybe, maybe I'm a dinosaur, but what husband would want their wife to be a police officer?
0: I mean, absolutely, you're right because it is very dangerous, and that's it's 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 not about putting women down. It's it's it really isn't. It's just I, you don't want to see them get hurt. No, it's about it's,
1: it's about uplifting the women. It's about you know. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's a
0: dirty job. It's 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 dirty. And and it's it's really nasty. And most cops end up doing the work for the female cops. Like I can't tell you how many times you know I had to chase down criminals. I was fast. I would always catch the criminals on foot. And you know the women couldn't even run, so I'd have to run past them, including other guys that had the other cops. I ran past, and I ended up making the pinch because you know I was faster and I was more determined. And uh, you know that just means more work for me. You know, more work for me because I, when you put your hands on them, you're the ones that, you're the one who's got to pinch them. So, you know, that's not that's not always cool. You know, I mean, see a guy like me, I was high octane. I, I did a lot for the time I was there, and all that's why I did volunteer for the worst neighborhoods. I did get picked for the elite units because of my the way I did the job. But I, I did. I wanted to be a street cop. I wanted to work. That's how I got respect. That's how you get respect on a job. Some cops don't care about it. You know, they just don't care about the respect. But I wanted that respect, you know?
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh you know, that's part of uh, I imagine being uh on the job. There should be that level of respect. And as you said, not uh to the point where you're cheering on uh SWAT teams and MREPs and guys with AR fifteens in the streets, but uh it's gotten so far out of hand. Jim, we only got about a minute and a half left. Two minutes. Anything we can uh well you have a a favorite story that you'd tell?
0: Well, um, I guess, you know, I I guess I want to let you know, a lot of times I tell people, I said, you know, if you really know what a cop does, I mean, we we were on this call once where an old lady called about a noise in her apartment. It's called Monsters Under the Bed in my book. And uh, we go to a call, you know, the lady said she heard a noise. We looked around, there was no noise. You know, you you think, oh, it's just an old lady. We were going to leave, and she told us to... You know, to please check again, and we did, we gave her that extra little effort, and it turned up saving her life. I don't wanna spoil the story, but, uh, it, it, it's just that little effort, you know, as a cop. And, and I want everybody to know that there was a time when cops were the good guys. There's always been rotten cops. There's always been dirty cops. There's always been corrupt cops. But honest to God, most of the people, especially when I was a cop, most of these guys just really wanted to be the good guys. And I know that sounds corny, but it's true. We were the good guys. And Man. I would like to see it get back to that.
1: Amen. Uh, we do hope that you'll come back with us. We we just we we love talking to you, and we love your perspective on on uh, on the police as it is today versus as it was and as it should be. So, uh, would you come back and visit with us again sometime?
0: Absolutely. Anytime you want me, you want to talk about something current, you want to talk about anything you want, you just give me a call and I'll be there.
1: All right, awesome. sir. Awesome. Thank Don't you very the much. the
2: website red four two dot And from there, you can find their radio show. Yeah. Red42.org. Jim Lancia, thank you so much for joining us. It was a great interview. That's right. We'll be back after this break. Third and final hour on this Wednesday, Valentine's Day edition of the Hagman Report. Each Wednesday in Hour 3, we are joined by Pastor David Langford. And uh, Pastor, I had a chance to go back and listen to uh, the last time you were on, and uh, I, as I was putting up the video, I was listening to it.
1: Time disposal. Time disposal yeah, it was something. such
2: a, a great message after I listened to it again. I don't know, I, it didn't hit me the first time around the way it did the second time, but it's great to have you back. Unfortunately, we have, uh, you know, the news of this latest shooting in a high school in southern Florida where 17 have been reported dead. The shooter is in custody and very rare uh, with these mass shootings. The shooter is alive, uh, which is pretty interesting. I don't know what we'll be hearing about that. But Pastor Langford, it's great to have you back on the show.
4: Excuse me, uh, Joe and Doug. It is tremendously a. A great joy to be with you guys tonight and with the listening audience and before we proceed I, I would like to pray for the families uh, I know in my heart I know in my mind I have no idea uh, the pain the suffering the vexation the torment that many of these families are facing and it's such a grave tragedy and you know I I cannot empathize I cannot sympathize enough because I've never been or faced anything of that magnitude and uh, just a few minutes ago I was watching a little bit of Fox News and you know it remains a crime scene and many of the decedents uh, remain lying all over the floor so if it's okay uh, I'd like to take a moment to pray uh, for these Absolutely. families and for our nation and for our president because the devil is, is on a rampage because of the direction God is desirous to take our nation. I said uh, a year or so ago after the election, no one in this country that is a liberal uh, that wants to see our nation bring in more and more immigrants illegally, uh, They they don't seem to have the correct mindset for what's taking place. And this is nothing but full-blown opposition, obstructionism to try to destroy America. And uh, we'll, we'll talk some more about that tonight from the 17th chapter of the book of Acts and try to give some clarity there. But I just want to take the opportunity to pray for the families tonight. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before your most holy throne. Lord, you admonished us to come humbly and also to come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find mercy to help in the day of trouble. Father, I cannot grasp or understand the, the gravity of the hurt that these families are suffering tonight, how that when they embraced their children, hugged them, kissed them, spoke words of love to them that they would never see them again. Lord, we know that we are living in perilous and dangerous times. And you said because of the perilous days that men's hearts would fail them for fear. Because of the very things that would come upon the earth in the last days. Father God, we ask you tonight to bring comfort to every mother, to every father, to every sibling, to every grandmother, to every grandfather, -grandfather, great-grandfather, great-grandmother the aunts and the uncles and the nieces, the nephews. Lord, we just ask that somehow in this tragedy, and we know this is not of You, this is the work of the enemy. Satan comes forth to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And evil is only exercised in this earth, because we have allowed the standard of righteousness to be trampled under our feet. Lord, I just ask you tonight to touch the church with a fresh anointing, with fresh oil that the church of the living God might arise to the occasion and that we would wield your word as a two-edged sword in the face of our enemies and the face of our opposition. Father, you said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Lord, we don't have the wherewithal tonight to overcome this kind of evil within ourselves. But I know the God that we serve has all power in heaven and in earth. Lord, you can take all of these tragedies and turn them into a blessing, turn them into a move of God that, that is unparalleled to anything we have ever witnessed. You could take these young people that are alive tonight in Florida that have been so gravely impacted by this Sordid, demented, twisted act of evil, and ignite a revival in the remaining young people's hearts, where they demand the right, the liberty to pray, and to be able to call out to the only true and living God, because they know that Lord, you are the only Shepherd. You're the only Shepherd of the souls of men. God, I invoke the anointing of the Holy Ghost in those children, those young people's lives tonight, Lord that they will arise as a group of young people and declare they want to hear the word of the Lord and they want to be able to pray with liberty and give them that opportunity, Lord. Smite down the wicked. Lord, remove the wicked hands. They keep the righteous hands tied. Give us a deluge, a freshet, a flood, Lord, of your spirit, I pray. And, and, And I just ask you, Lord, to touch every home tonight. There are other homes, there are other families that, that are facing tragedies today. Another tragedy, whether through a, a car accident or, or someone passed away unexpectedly. I just ask tonight that, Lord, there would be a sobering effect upon every heart, upon every mind, and that our heart, our affection, our love would be turned back to you, our only Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Bless the remainder of our program, Father. And keep us in the hollow of your righteous hand bless our president Lord send your angels and give them charge give them command to watch over him Lord I just pray somehow Lord I don't know how but I know that you're the God of all flesh and you said is there anything too hard for me you can raise up a fresh and new standard in this nation Lord you can touch the hearts and lives of leaders who will oppose the wicked, who will oppose the ungodly, who will oppose the unrighteous and declare we must have righteousness in our land. I just ask you now, Lord God, to expose all of the evil, all of these alphabet agencies that are so vile and so wicked and so corrupt. Do not suffer the wicked to rule over us, Lord, but expose them, expose them, And as they have so evilly done to others, I pray the same to them. For we reap what we sow according to your word. They have sown evil, Lord, and I'm expecting them to reap the evil which they have sown. I'm not asking you to curse them. I'm not asking you to destroy them. I'm asking for righteousness. I'm asking for justice. I'm asking for truth to fill the streets of America. And no longer allow your truth to be trampled under the feet of men but your truth to be exalted just like every time when someone in the military raises the flag of the United States of America I play the the the, the flag of truth the flag of righteousness will be raised up Lord as a beacon as a light to this nation again afresh and anew and cause conviction Lord Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled conviction to smite the minds of the wicked, that they can no longer live within themselves, that they must repent, like it was in the days of Smith Wigglesworth. When he would get on a bus, Lord, and people would start weeping and crying, not understanding what was happening, but the power of God was convicting them of their sins, like the Welch revival wherein people begin to pray and they begin to cry out to you Lord and all of a sudden bars and nightclubs and houses of prostitution begin to shut down Lord you're the same God that did those things then I believe you can do those things afresh and anew with us keep us Lord and watch over us and as we declare your word anoint that word to go forth and to do the impossible father And again, I pray for our president, his administration, I just pray for divine protection, and I pray against any false flag, anything that they're trying to do to to conceal more wickedness. I come against that in the name of Jesus. I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, you would would break the chains and the shackles. Everything that they're trying to do, Lord, we pray against it, we plead the blood of Jesus, against the wickedness, Lord, against the evildoers, Lord, against those who are deceived and going about deceiving others. I just ask it in the name of your Son, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name, and we'll give you the praise for it all. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I was just thinking the other day about the state of our nation and how our leaders are trying to brainwash us and how the progressive liberal movement has found a lodging place in the church and you know we've heard for years that little acronym what would Jesus do and how these liberals are saying we are to have no borders we're to have a uh, uh, globalism everything is to be open where people can come and people can go. It has never been like that, and it will never be like that. Even with the nation of Israel, God gave them a certain boundaries. He gave them certain perimeters for their own nation in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 18. He did not give them the whole world. He gave them a portion, and he blessed that portion. When Joseph brought Jacob down to Egypt, they gave them the most fertile part of Egypt, but they gave them a place of the country called Goshen. They didn't give them the whole land of Egypt. And then when we go to the, the New Testament, and we look at, at how God would address that, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, he does say this, and hath made of one blood the all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now, that word habitation in the Greek literally means their residence. So, when Paul says here, and hath determined the times, in other words, it has already been predetermined where. We will live. Uh, you know, some people has been afforded the opportunity to travel all over the world and uh, to live in different portions of the world. I've, I've never been afforded that opportunity. Uh, I've only lived in the state of North Carolina. I've been out of the country. I've been to just about every state in the United States. I've been in many different places. But God has determined the times. and Again, that's that Greek word we talked about last week. Uh, chronos and karyos. This word here, times, is the Krios. So God hath determined the foreordained appointed time. And that's what he says. And hath determined the times before appointed. It's already been predetermined and already the time has been appointed. It's like uh, you make an appointment to a dentist and then you have the appointment time. You you make the time uh, today, and but the appointed time is not for two weeks out and then he concludes with and the bounds of their habitation or the bounds of their residence and in that place he says in verse 27 that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us so wherever and whatever the the boundaries that God has set is The place that we are to live and we are to live in peace and solace and and we're also to be in a place that we should seek the Lord and 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 Paul said if happily or truly if we will just simply fill after God and the word fill after there in the Greek means just to literally grope like a, 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 a somebody that's in the dark they grope he said you'll find God why because he said He is not far from every one of us. God is always just a mere prayer away from each and every one of us. So we we see these things happening in our nation. And I know people don't like to be realistic anymore. Uh, People don't like to look at things for what they are. Uh, But this is a murderous human being. There's no doubt in my mind uh, this Nicholas Cruz is, is a demon-possessed young man. I would dare say he was heavily involved in video games because these video games, uh, to my understanding, they're becoming more realistic than ever before. And uh, you, you score points, you know, winning by, by killing. And uh, I think it was ABC today or, or later on this afternoon, uh, there have been like 300... 300- mass shootings in the last three years. Um, when I think of, of course, a lot of them are, are small, two, three, four. Uh, the FBI debates mass shootings, mass murders, what's, what's the difference, mass killings. Uh, what we have is a spirit. There, there is a spirit that is in the earth that is creating this. And we know, according to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, because the Bible speaks of a time that there would be a spirit released in the earth. Now, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 4 says, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Uh, as I said a few weeks ago, if uh, Peter the apostle, when he severed Malchus' ear, off, cut it off, had he had a three fifty-seven or a 45, he would have shot Malchus, but because he didn't have a gun, he had a sword. So this word sword can be used in the same sense uh, as, as, as a, a gun, because it's the weaponry, the technology that we have today. And so we're watching a spirit, a spirit that is taking place, and the earth uh, is convulsing, the earth is hemorrhaging, uh, the earth is very uncertain. And we, we've gotten so far removed from the old ancient landmarks. You know, when I was growing up, you know, Doug, we we we, we got whippings. Oh yeah. Uh, we 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 got. We knew what it meant to get a whipping, and it was a deterrent. You know, it, it was a deterrent. In Proverb twenty three verses thirteen and fourteen says, "Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod." He shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Uh, Punishment, corporal punishment, is a deterrent. Now, Solomon said don't withhold correction from the child. When the child does something wrong, the child needs to be corrected. And so in the Hebrew here, when it says, For if thou beatest him, it means to strike lightly. Or you can strike him severely. Uh, I once had the blood cut out of me when the belt buckle hit the top of my thigh. It it broke the skin and blood came out. And uh, needless to say, I I rightly deserved uh, that kind of a whipping because of rebellion. But he then says, thou shalt beat him with the rod. Now, the word rod there in the Hebrew is branch. And uh, my grandma has told me numerous times, Doug, I'm sure you were told, go get me a hickory. In other words, go get me a branch. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And it, it, it was it a be go, well enough. Go get me my be- belt. <laughs> we didn't have hickory up here.
4: I mean, <laughs> okay. it, it, yeah. yeah. But, but I remember going out the kitchen back door and going out there and finding a because I always had a pocket knife, and I'd cut my hickory and cut the leaves off, and they could make your legs dance. They, 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 I was break that see, back in the 60s. You know, when they start whoop, whoop, taking that whoop, uh, uh, whip, it's acting like a whip, you know, it's a switch, and, and, and whipping your legs, you you jump up and down and get all excited. But you see, today, you know, we have the medical uh, society that says, well, you, you're going to warp their, their mentation. You're, you're going to warp their minds, their psyche. By disciplining them. But then when you look at what's taking place in our nation, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind has the right to say and do the things they say because of the condition we're in. You know, we watched yesterday on The View, I believe it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, how they were all mock, mocking Mike Pence because of his Christian faith. And one of the girls said, I don't want nobody speaking in tongues. But that's crazy to talk to God. You see, these people are atheists. Now, they'll tell you they're Christians, but they're not the Christian of the Bible. I hear that all the time about Christianity. There are multiple forms of Christianity. I'm talking about the Christianity of the Bible. I'm not talking about that that man has created. I'm not talking about that that man has formed through his traditions and through his own personal ideology. The Bible is not a book of ideology. The Bible is the infallible, immutable Word of Almighty God. I was talking to Steve last night. In the Old Testament, Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord and I change not. We go to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 which says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, Psalms 711 God is angry with the wicked every day Psalms 9:17 the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God Ephesians 2: 8 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast so it, it sounds as though God has changed when you look at the Old Testament verbiage, you look at the New Testament verbiage. But that but that's not what changed. God did not change. God's covenant changed. God's terms changed. Under the old law, there were stoning. You know, I, I, I've I've done a pretty thorough study in the Old Testament about prison. I don't see where in Israel God put people in prison it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth some got stoned to death some had to, if you had a man's oxen, you barred it and you killed it or you accidentally killed it, you gotta pay him back with an, up with an ox but it was the Gentiles who had prisons and, and so my point is, God has one way in dealing with people and the world has another way Uh, you know it was it was the Egyptians that put Joseph in prison Joseph picked up the same principle when he kept uh, Simeon he put him in prison but I don't see that when God laid out the Levitical uh, Mosaic law with Israel and so my point is when you see God in the Old Testament you see him with a, a, a a an existing covenant when we go to the New Testament here is another covenant. God himself has not changed. God has not become a liberal. God has not become passive. Uh, God has not become dumb. What happened? The covenant changed that God had made with man, you see? And that's, that's, that, that, that's what we need to understand about God. You know, I, regretfully, I, as I witness uh, the shallowness of Bible, biblical teaching today, I'm witnessing more and more shallowness. And we, we, we see people that are so immature, and, and they don't seem to understand you know, who God is and what God is. Um, God has always been just. Now, uh, that would be probably one of the hardest things for us as human beings, to understand the justice of God in the Old Testament and the justice of God in the New Testament. When they brought the woman called in adultery and brought her to Jesus, they all brought their stones, and what were they going to do? Well, they were going to kill her. But see, Jesus was bringing us into a new covenant. And so he knew she was worthy of stoning, but the hypocrisy of that was where was the man? Where was the man? Now, to show you the dichotomy, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 27, And 28. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time. This is Old Testament, Mosaic Law. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now under the Mosaic Law, you had to physically have Intercourse with the party to commit the act of adultery. Under the New Testament covenant, you don't have to do that. All you have to do, Jesus said, is look on a woman to lust after her, have committed adultery with her already in his heart. So under the Old Covenant, you had to physically do the act. Under the New Covenant, this is why grace is so more far-reaching and far-demanding because now you don't even have to do the act you just lust in your heart to commit that adulterous act you know you premeditate you predetermine you you set up a tryst uh whatever jesus said you've already committed the act see so god does not change and i know we, we 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 can't in our finite mind often understand the magnitude, the gravity of that, but God is the same. It's just now we're under a new covenant and the old covenant. That 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 that's why we need to understand the, the I, I maybe it's I should use the term the peril, the danger of the law. All the law done was told every one of us, you're a sinner, you're unrighteous, the law is holy, the law is righteous, and you must be born again under the new covenant. Now I want to show you something. I want to show you how insightful the psalmist David was. Now, David was a king. He was not a high priest. He had no right to ever offer sacrifice in the context of the office of a of a high priest. He certainly didn't have the the right to go behind the veil and put the shed blood of the ram or whatever it was on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. Listen to what David said and how he understood how temporary how tenuous the law was. The the great prayer for spiritual cleansing in Psalms chapter 51. He says in Psalms 51, verse 16, 17, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now watch this. Here is a man understood the Mosaic law perfectly. He, he knew when he did what he did with Bathsheba, he knew the penalty, the punishment. He, he understood all of that. But he also had received the greater revelation that this was all temporary because he says, Lord, you don't desire sacrifice else I would give it I I, I I, would do that but that's that's not what you want thou delightest not in burnt offerings I, w- I was sharing with Steve last night when Solomon dedicated the temple now listen to this when Solomon dedicated the temple in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 he slew 120,000 sheep won't you listen to what I just said He slaughtered, he butchered, he killed 120,000 sheep. He also sacrificed 22,000 oxen. Now you have 144,000 mid-sized to large animals. The oxen, of course, were, were larger. Can you... Imagine the enormity of that much shed blood all over the place.
2: That's uh, I, un, too much to imagine.
4: I mean, it, it would be into the thousands of gallons. I don't have a calculator here. I don't know how many pints of bloods in the ox, how many pints of bloods in the sheep. But I guarantee with a hundred and forty-four thousand animals. And did you know what? You know what? Was, you know, I told Steve. I said, "This is what is so tragic." It didn't cover one man's sin. Everything that was done was substitutional. It, it it did not do what God demanded to be done relative to the perpetuation of sin. What God demand what God demanded for sin now this is just one incident, folks. This is this is not, you know, through the whole entire Old Testament. This was one feast of of dedication, or I should say feast of t- uh, trumpets and feast of tabernacles. The feast of dedication is in the month of December and that had not yet been committed uh, because uh, Antiochus Epiphanes had not uh, desecrated the temple and Judas Maccabees came in, cleansed the temple, and that's when they had just enough oil to light the menorah and it burned for eight days. We got Hanukkah slash feast of dedication. But this one ceremony, This one celebration, 144,000 animals' blood was shed. And as I said, I, I, I cannot in my mind fathom how much blood was all over the place. And yet when I look at that, it still did not satisfy God's demand. Why? Because that blood that was shed was substitutionary because that blood was cursed with sin. The, sin, the curse of sin was on those animals, and it was, it was up until the time, Paul said, of the Reformation. We just celebrated back in October the, the Protestant Reformation, uh, Martin Luther. But in uh, Hebrews 9 and verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. And the word reformation there in the Greek means to correct, to amend, or to make something that's wrong right. And that's what Jesus did. And so when they thrust the spear into Christ's side, they burst the pericardium sac. That's what the heart is, is capsulized in. And it says, forthwith came blood and water. That, that typified Christ's humanity, the humanity, that he was a real live human being though he was god he was still a man but the blood that was in his body was royal blood sinless blood spotless blood therefore that blood was able to atone for our sins all all the it was probably in the millions of gallons of blood that had without a doubt been shed under the Old Testament economy, that never satisfied God's demand for our sins. So that's why that that that's the great reason behind Jesus Christ being conceived of the Holy Ghost. See, being conceived of the Holy Ghost did not allow the transfer of sin into Christ. See, I know there are those out there. You can get angry. You can get mad if you want to. Mary had sin in her life. Now, I know that's just going to make some people so livid and so mad, but she herself was not born of a virgin. He was. She was not. See? She was brought into the earth just like Joe was, Doug was, I was. See? But God used that humanity part, not the blood part, but that humanity part. So to venerate her, and to some capacity, is 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 wrong. I mean, she is was a woman. Yes, she was a virtuous woman, and that was why uh, Gabriel uh, said what he said to her: "Thou art highly favored. Thou art blessed among women." In other words, I, Gabriel is fundamentally saying: "There's never been a woman blessed like you're about to be blessed." Because what he's telling her is, God's going to bring you and to a divine relationship with him, wherein, Mary, you have nothing to do with this. It is God's choice to choose you as a vessel of honor that you might be sanctified and meet for the master's use. Uh, we quote that from Second 2 Timothy 2.21. If a man, therefore, shall purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. So Jesus, when he was born, he had the, the fleshly, natural, uh, carnal body, flesh of a human being, but not the blood part, because it's a proven fact, and I shared that some, some months back in a program we did, that the blood comes from the Father. So Jesus, having taken on the form of man, I made somebody real mad some time ago, Hebrews 2, 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Why did he have to be made lower than angels? So he could die. Now, it did not take away from his deity. John one twenty nine. When John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I mean, there's never been a statement made like that relative to a human being. That was, that's what made Christ so unique. That's what made Christ so different. He said in John 2:19, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Pharisees said, 40 and 6 years was this temple in the making, and you're going to tear it down, and you're going to build it back up in three days. But this spake he of his temple, his body. See, they couldn't understand that statement. They're like, are you kidding me? Herodias Temple, it took 46 years to build that. You're going to destroy it, annihilate it, and in three days you're going to raise it back up? You see, they missed... They they missed practically everything Jesus said. I know people say, oh, if I had lived back then, it wouldn't it have been great? Hey, the fear I have of that is you might have been like the rest of the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, uh, yeah, I've seen the miracles, but I still don't believe. You know, they, they they were blessed. Jesus said they were blessed. They He said, you have been able to see. You have been able to witness these things. He said, but the greater blessing is in those who believe and have not seen. Well, I, I've not seen the things that the disciples saw, but I believe. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is why America has got to turn, and 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 Christ must become the focal point. I don't I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know Acts two seventeen says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. God the Father has a Spirit. John four twenty two says. You worship, you know, not what. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So God wants us to worship him, and he has a spirit. And so when I look at Acts 2.17, this is something extraordinary. I believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, I believe in that. But the scripture says that God's going to pour out of his spirit. And the fact that God has a spirit, God is going to do something extra. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I, 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 that's why I prayed what I prayed tonight, these young people. God said, I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh, Then he says, on your sons and your daughters, and they're going to prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Doug, that's me and you, we're old men, (laughs) but God is going to do certain things, and we must be in the place that we need to be in so that when God begins to do this work, We can be a a recipient. We can be a part of what God is doing. Now, when we go back and we look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, we talk about Pentecost. Uh, In Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon ye, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Most theologians believe they went back to the upper room. They were there seven to ten days. They came upon the day of Pentecost. So when it says in Acts 2, 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, every other Pentecostal feast was a type and a shadow. It was a prefigure. It was a foretelling of what was going to ultimately take place. So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it says they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that that, that lady, I don't know her name on the view, she was criticizing Mike Pence for possibly speaking yeah, in joy,
2: tongues. Joy Bear, she said that it was like a mental illness yeah. that he had, and that she she felt he was dangerous with his Christian beliefs.
4: Let, 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 me, let me say this tonight. I don't expect people to understand. I don't say this with arrogance, God forbid. I say it with the greatest humility. I don't expect people to understand what I understand. Just like I wouldn't understand some of the things, Joe, that you and Doug, your dad, do and and, and time past, in and, and, and private investigation and stuff. I wouldn't understand it, why I don't have the knowledge of it. But we've now got people we've now got people making statements just like that, that's blasphemous. Did you know there's no forgiveness for blasphemy? Jesus said you can say anything. That That's what I find so astounding. I, that Jesus it, it, he said it don't matter what you say about me. He said I, I could care less what you say about me. He said what you better be concerned about is what you say against the Holy Spirit. And the uh, 12th chapter of Matthew, verses 31-32, Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost... It shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Someone sent me a video the other day Want wanted me to watch it. This person was talking about Israel. They said God did not give them that land, the devil did. I thought, my God. You see, that's why Jesus said what he said. They were contributing the works of God to the devil, Beelzebub. If you don't understand some things in the Bible, you better be careful what you say. You better never think you're so knowledgeable, so so fast in your understanding that you can say God's doing some things, folks, and to say that the devil's doing it, that's blasphemy. I'm telling you, people are losing the fear of God. If you don't understand something, just leave it alone. Don't don't you know? There's things I don't understand. I don't understand physics. You know, I I don't understand these vast equations. X minus two times z, whatever. Hey, just leave it alone. Don't don't find fault in it, because that's that's right where you get in trouble. Jesus said, you can say anything you want to say about me. I want you to get this tonight he you can you can castigate me, you can impinge my character, you can curse me you 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 can take the father's name and try to damn me. He said, "Hey, I'll forgive that, but when you start contributing what I do to the devil, he said that's blasphemy, and it shall not be forgiven men and See, that's 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 where the fear of God, that's why Proverb one seven said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm trying to give you a measure of wisdom. I'm trying to give you a measure of instruction. That's all I'm trying to do. Take it, throw it in the trash, doesn't matter to me. But someone sent me an email the other day and said, You know what? You need to put warning, warning, warning all over your website. And I'm like, Why I want to do that? and then they told me why they said you're preaching so much Bible once we hear this we're now going to be held accountable for what we've heard I wouldn't say that you're always accountable for what you hear I will say you're accountable for what you understand if you don't understand it do not attack it do not attack it this is why it's so important to be balanced in the Word of God you see there was this whole story started over a, a man that was demon-possessed in this twelfth chapter of Matthew. And this demon caused him to be blind and dumb. And so the Pharisees, you know, heard that Jesus had, had cast him out. And uh, they they said about Jesus, he, he's not doing this by his power. He's he, by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And, of course, the Bible went on to say that Jesus, he knew their thoughts. And he said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Everything that God does, if God gives us a word... Like, I'm going to pour out of my spirit of the last days, your sons and your daughters prophesy, dream dreams, have visions. How does that take place? God's Word has decreed it. God's Word has declared it, but the Spirit of God brings it to fruition. When you attack God's Word and say, that's not God's Word, that's the devil, or that's this or that... You're then contributing what the Holy Ghost has to do to bring God's Word to fruition. You're, that's when you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. See? God has decreed, God has declared some things in the end times. And he tells us in Matthew 24, a lot of things are going to happen. And if you, if, the way that God carries out the fulfillment of that Word he has given is by the Holy Spirit making it happen, just like in creation. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and god said that's his word and god said let there be light." and the spirit brought forth the light god decreed it he declared it with his words and then the spirit brought it to fruition when he stood before the tomb of lazarus he said lazarus come forth he decreed it. He declared it. But it was the Holy Ghost in and on Christ that went and touched the body of Lazarus and raised him from the dead. Everything, that's why we have the written word. That's what has the preeminence. That's why those who are into the, 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 the oral, the Talmud, that's wrong. That's error. You know, and I'm not going to get into all of that Jewish stuff tonight. But, but the written word. Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I got somebody, uh, every time something happens, will send me uh, a, a, a purported prophecy. And, and they'll start it off, uh, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, I think it's about verse 18, uh, we have a more sure word of prophecy. I would call the guy's name, but I'll, 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 I'll save him the embarrassment. He thinks that means when somebody prophesies. What he doesn't understand, that's not what that means. The more sure word of prophecy is the written, spoken word of God, the rhema, the logos. But he thinks it's the gift of the Spirit to prophesy. Paul said emphatically, prophecies shall fail, but the written word of God, it'll never fail. See? Jesus, this, this is to me is one of, the, one of the great prophecies, one of the most overlooked prophecies is Matthew twenty four thirty five. heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Then we jump to Revelation 21, verse 1. John said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. There was no more sea. So at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. New Jerusalem is not coming down on this existing earth. And this earth will not be obliterated until the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. At that point, the earth will be new. Then God will allow new Jerusalem to descend out of God from heaven. And that will be better known as the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, where God himself, Revelation 21, 3, and God himself shall tabernacle with men. Everything that's going to take place in, 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 in the end times that's relative to God's Word is going to come to pass because the Spirit of the Lord is going to make it come to pass. See, God has done given us the Word. We've got so much prophecy yet to be fulfilled in, in Ezekiel, Zechariah, Daniel, Revelation, but what what is going to actuate that? What's going to ignite that is the Spirit of God. See, Jesus prophesied his own death, burial and resurrection. What he, he spoke the word, destroyed this temple three days, I will raise it up. What raised him up? The, the, the power of the Holy Ghost touched his earthen mortal body, raised him up. Of course he didn't have blood in his body and his glorified body. Thus he says to the disciples in Matthew twenty four, thirty nine, he said, Touch me, fill me, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. He he was he was the same man, but he was in a glorified body. That 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 body that died, that death was not the same body. It was a glorified body. There's a, um, it's in First Corinthians 15. I'm trying to think of the verse, uh, verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. In other words, all of those of you who've ever planted a garden, when you put that grain of corn or that green bean seed in the ground, that's not how it comes up. It went in there a little kernel. It went in there a little kernel. But it comes up, this it's hard to imagine that big old five, six, seven foot stalk of corn was once a colonel. And so you go to the next verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-eight. But God giveth a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Every one of us are a type of seed. And, you know, most when they die, they're buried. And we're sown in the ground. And we are sown, Paul said, in corruption. We are sown in dishonor. We are sown in weakness. But he says, we're going to be raised incorruptible. Instead of dishonor, we're going to be raised in glory. Instead of being raised in weakness, like we were sown in weakness, we're going to be raised in power. it's, it's, It's the exact opposite of what it was before. And it's by the Spirit of God, it's by the Spirit of God that makes all of these things come to pass. And so, you know, I want I to encourage the people tonight. I know our time's just about gone. I, I want people to begin to focus on two things, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. There, there are two parts to God's uh, truth. Let, let me say it that way. The Word of God is true, and the Spirit of God is true. Psalms 119, verse 160, David said, "...Thy word was true from the beginning." Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He calls the Holy Ghost the Spirit of truth. David calls the Word of God the truth. So we have two forms of truth. And this is why the Word and the Holy Ghost always bear witness. When somebody says something to me taken out of context from the Bible, I know it's wrong because I have another point of reference concerning the truth. Well what is that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. This is this is why we, we we the Paul calls it bearing witness. There's 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 the witness within, and that witness is your spirit that what you're hearing, what's being decreed, what's being declared is the truth. Uh Romans eight sixteen, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god i have a witness in my heart i'm saved not only does the word tell me i'm saved if i believe on the lord jesus christ i shall be saved but now the spirit comes along and gives witness in my heart and gives me that affirmation now in your bible in romans eight sixteen, the first word spirit there is capitalized because it's the holy spirit the second word, spirit, there is, 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 uh, is not in a capital letter. It's in a small letter. Why? Because he's talking about your spirit. But now his spirit and your spirit have merged together as one because you have believed in the, what, the word which God has spoken. See? The jailer. Uh, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The spirit was already there. Paul decreed the word. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy household. He believed. The Spirit was there. They came together. He was saved. Paul, uh, The jailer took Paul and Silas home with him, bathed their wounds, cleaned them up, and his family was saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy household. That was a type of a prophecy. I don't know that that, uh, the jailer even knew he was going to take them uh, home with him at the time when he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? I don't know that he knew at that moment that Paul uh, was going to go to his house and they were going to get saved. But see, God knew all of that predetermined. So my point tonight is I want you to be uh, on track, in tune, because when the Spirit of God begins to move, you want to be in the right place because the the current is already flowing. It, it's kind of like the the train's going to make a stop and pick up a crowd of people. Some's going to get on the train, some's going to miss the train, some's going to be late. You know, I don't want to miss what God's going to do, and the only way I can not miss that is to be looking for it. You know, and if you're not looking for it, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. Doug, I'd, I'd like to say something before I leave tonight. Uh, uh, February the 27th, I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas, uh, with Urban Baxter, End Time Ministries, and we're going to do, a, I think, a couple television programs. I might be speaking there, uh, on that, uh, March the 3rd on a Saturday. Don't know yet, uh, but I, if I get the, the place and the time and the, uh, the church, I'll, I'd like to share that with the people. So if anybody's in Dallas huh? and I get to preach, uh, at this particular church, I'd like to be able to share that information if, if it works out for me.
1: Sounds great. That's That's February 27th, you said. Yeah, I'll be
4: flying down then, and then on March the 3rd, which is a Saturday, uh, the the, the door may open up for me to be speaking at a church there in Dallas Saturday afternoon. I don't know the name of the church or the location yet. I I will know tomorrow, and uh, I'd like, you know, in the event it opens up, there may be a handful of people that would like to come and, and visit with us in a church service on that Saturday afternoon
1: sounds great yeah keep us posted we'll uh, certainly announce it promote it and uh, we'll, whatever well, we can Urban
4: do Baxter is a great man of God uh, he is a post-tribulationist uh, he's probably the only guy out there that I know of that he and I see 99.9% on Bible prophecy and the things that are taking place and I have great admiration great respect for him uh, because he is a purist like myself and a biblicalist if the Bible says it that settles it. Uh, you can't add to, you can't take away. That's another danger, because that's a type of blasphemy, because God said, I'll take your name out of the book of life. So we've we, we got to stay on track. We've got to stay on track, and God has given us, given us his word. And, of course, understanding that word will help us to make the right moves and the right decisions. So let's keep praying for our nation and our president, folks.
1: Amen. Well said. Pastor, as always, you're right on target, and thank you so very much. First of all, thank you for the opening prayer uh for the uh the victims and their families and, and thank you for the the uh uh really the, the sermon a measure of wisdom and uh instruction. You know it's it, it, thank you. We we needed Brother, this. We all need
4: wisdom. <laughs> That's,
1: true. That's true in
4: this world. Everyone be blessed and uh God willing, we'll see you next week in the Lord.
1: All right. Thank you have Pastor a good night David. guys. Thank you. Good night. Pastor David Langford, uh, the voice of evangelism.com. Uh, what, what a great man of God. And of course, uh, very thankful to have him on every, every Wednesday. And of course, uh, he announced he's going to be down in Dallas. So February 27th, obviously it's going to have to adjust the schedule then. No worries. Uh, boy, if you're down in that area and he has the chance to preach, uh, we'll make that announcement. That would be Saturday the third as well. So. That's coming up just a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. So they'll be right Uh, around the corner. I want to thank, uh, I do want to thank uh, uh, Gerald Saleni and of course James Lencia for coming on. If you miss them, go back and listen to the full show. I want to thank everyone here from Jackie, Eric, the Tech John, Joe, and uh, of course you, the listeners and supporters of our program. Thank you so very much for your belief in what we do and your trust in us. Amen. That's right. Don't forget to keep the uh, prayers of those in
2: Florida or those people in Florida in your prayers as um it's a sad situation they're saying that uh the kids that go to the school that if they were to um think about this if they were to select anybody that they thought were going was going to carry this out for years that they would pick this kid. So why was nothing done? Exactly. And Ooh, uh, he yeah. was even disciplined for carrying bullets to the school and so much more. But uh, obviously changes need to be made to make sure things like this don't happen and we'll be talking about this for the rest of the week. Yeah, I'm sure. Keith sure Hansen will. tomorrow with Keith Hansen especially. Yep. So that'll do it for us tonight and have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>